0: One semester of law school. One semester of criminal justice. Two experts. experts! I'm Kristen Caruso. I'm Brandi Egan. Let's go to court!
1: On this episode, I'll be talking about the Duke Lacrosse team.
0: And I'll be talking about the murder of Travis Alexander.
1: Hmm, hmm. It seems I'm familiar with this case. How do people mostly know it? Uh, This might be Jodi Arias.
0: (gasps) She's done it, folks. Oh, my gosh. You know what I did over break? What'd you do? I grew a giant set of nuts. (laughs)
1: Congratulations on your new set of nuts, Brandy. Thank you. (laughs) You've used them well to bring us the tale of Jodi Arias on this 200th
0: episode!
1: Hey, you know what we're doing as a gift to the listeners? Um, No ads? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is an ad-free episode! Brandy, don't act like this is a gift to
0: them. Everybody, Brandy. (laughs) I I dropped the ball, folks. (laughs) She was our... I forgot to open this episode up for ad space so you know what you guys get no, no ads, ads. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: it's a gift that we thought yeah. about ahead it's of time it's a gift that
0: I accidentally gave you are welcome <laughs> I'm so happy to be back I'm so excited to be back we've missed you all so much except for you and you know who you are mm-hmm, bitches <laughs> You know, like <laughs> half our audience has anxiety. So you know like right? everyone's like, like, Oh my gosh, you're talking yeah, about me. She's bro. talking about me, she's totally talking about me. I promise I'm not talking about you. Or
1: is she? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. Oh, Brandy just gave me curtain bangs oh and I gosh, can't stop touching so them. So cute.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Look like a Like a movie star over there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You've got these curtain bangs and you've got this nice, fresh red, and your layers are just falling Mm -hmm. perfectly. Mm -hmm. And what about my smoking hot bod? Oh, yeah. Your bod's hotter than ever. Hot (laughs) bod. I want your your bod. (laughs) Wait, hey, what are those commercials for? Body spray? Yes. <laughs> Brandy, goddammit. Bod, body spray. That's right. Okay, so remember the cartoon characters that were on the packaging? Do you remember this? They were like illustrated men okay. with six-pack apps. They
1: seemed real to me, though, yes. Okay,
0: so I worked at Walgreens when Bod was really popular, mm-hmm. and one of my managers that I worked with at Walgreens, his name was Matt, and he <laughs> held up that bottle, and he's like, if this guy was – a real person, he would not be able to support the top half of his body and he would just fall over <laughs> because he came down to such a narrow waist. It was like a triangle man. <laughs> I've never forgot that.
1: <laughs> it makes me think of like, that's what people always say about Barbie is Barbie yeah. like, yeah. And it's like, oh, unrealistic standard. Well, I guess the men need that, too. That's for right. Those two yeah. years when bod body spray was a thing. Do you remember those commercials? It was just a bunch of shirtless dudes yeah. playing basketball. Yeah. Of course I, I do. Body- and then they'd fuck at the end of the- <laughs> Nobody was fucking at the end of it. <laughs> Sorry. It
0: I always did out, have a wild it imagination. Turns out we did have an ad for bod body spray. <laughs>
1: Get your ass back to 2002. Get, get yourself, yourself some, <laughs> some bod body spray.
0: Say promo code LGTC at <laughs> check To out. no one. <laughs> Type LGTC into your time machine. <laughs> it would take you back to 2002. <laughs>
1: <Sure. laughs> exactly. And give you a free puka shell necklace. Oh man, I can't believe you don't know this story.
0: No, I don't know anything about it. Oh, <sighs> what happens? Uh, Do they win the big game?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is just a sports story. I've come here to tell you a sports story. <laughs>
0: Kristen, huge sports fan all uh, of a sudden. <laughs> biggest. <laughs> Whoa, How to... about that Chiefs game? Yeah. Uh huh. Kristen! You know what I thought was going to happen? I thought we were going to lose. And then. You're like, oh, my gosh, we're going to win. And then you're like, oh, no, we're going to lose.
1: Do you know what really happened? Okay, so we, were, we watched it with Kyla and Jay. We were down in their basement. And, like, you know, it's a really exciting game for anyone who knows
0: what's happening. Yeah, I died minimum three times.
1: Yeah, and, well, I'm glad to have you back. I got up um, to go refresh my beverage. And Kyla was like, you're leaving right now? Yeah. yeah, I'm very thirsty. <laughs> I'm going to have to sit and watch football. I'm going to need a beverage. <laughs> anyway, here we go, folks. Yeah, uh, tell us about lacrosse. Shout-outs to the episode. Okay, you ever watch any 30 for 30s? Oh, yeah. Love those. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I love them because very light on sports. Heavy yeah. on story. Yeah. The 30 for 30s. Yeah, they're great. All right. This one was called Fin... What the hell was that noise? A uh, helicopter? I'm not quite sure. <laughs> <What>? that's <laughs> my That's my chopper coming to pick me up. <laughs> Yes, this episode of thirty thirty was called. What the hell is that noise? It's called thirty four thirty, not thirty (laughs) thirty. Oh, whoops! I'm just excited. Okay, uh, it's called Fantastic Lies. Oh, more like fantastic documentary.
0: Tell me lies. Tell me sweet little lies. Hmm. Tell me lies. All right. Tell me.
1: Tell me lies. Excuse me, (laughs) ma'am.
0: I'm so excited. I am too. I'm I'm like (laughs) jazz.
1: <laughs> okay, also portions of the book The Price of Silence by William D. Cohen. Um, okay, I say portions. I just wanted to make it clear that I didn't read this whole thing. There was just part of the documentary that I was like, mm, I want to know more about this part. So yeah. got a book, you know. Read it. Also Wikipedia. Oh, Quite helpful. Oh. 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 A little disclaimer, I will say. Okay. In that this is huge yeah and i'm going to talk forever and you're going to be like how is she still talking and just know that even then i'm leaving some stuff out okay Okay, here we go very good today i'm going to talk to you about sports Mm -hmm. brandy over the course of our break i have immersed myself (laughs) in the world of sports Uh and now much like the cool girl in every romantic comedy big sports fan i love two things brandy uh-huh. Sports and beer—you
0: don't love either of those. Things. I love them both. Also, I think this. And is... also, you ditched your glasses. So now you're <laughs> super hot. That's right.
1: Everyone thought I was a nerd. Took off the glasses. Oh, oh my gosh, she's Smoke so hot. Mm-hmm. Also, and I think this is kind of unique about me. But I've always tended to be friends with more guys instead of girls. Uh And I think it's because every girl is jealous of me.
0: Yeah, or you're a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) But enough about how cool and
1: chill I am. Picture it. It's 2005, and we're at the National Championship men's lacrosse game between duke university and johns hopkins university is it john hopkins or johns
0: hopkins johns Hopkins. okay all right so many all right well it had all come down to this what's the johns hopkins mascot we got duke blue devils mm-hmm. versus the pocket protectors <laughs> oh. <laughs>
1: Brandy, there are nerds at both those schools. I
0: don't, I don't know what their mascot is. Are you serious? You expect? Yes. I, I am googling it right now. If
1: they're cute, it's a frog, because you know, hop, (laughs) huh? Right. I don't. I'm not seeing. Oh, here we go. They're the Blue Jays. All right. Well, I'm glad you clarified that. A lot of people are unfamiliar with lacrosse, but not me, so I will explain the game to you now. You put on a football jersey, basketball shorts, a cycling helmet, and soccer cleats. Mm -hmm. Then you grab a butterfly net. (laughs) But instead of using it as God intended, you use the butterfly net to catch and throw a softball. (laughs) Oh, my God, I just (laughs) hit something. (laughs) Your mission is to get the softball into the other team's hockey goal. And now you know everything there is to know about lacrosse. That's a, very, a great explanation. You're welcome. <laughs> I hurt my thumb.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I injured myself pretending to play lacrosse. Well, see, make the team.
1: <laughs> but, Brandy, don't let the butterfly nets fool you, okay? The good folks at 30 for 30 did a great job educating me on how this is a tough sport for big, tough athletes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know what? The Duke lacrosse team, no exception. It was just dripping with big, tough dudes, filled to the ew, brim with a bunch ew. of thick necked beefcakes. They dripping with. I'm just quoting. All right, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, I'm sure that was on the 30 for 30. Just a fun aside, and this is true. It's going to sound like I'm making this up, but this is true. Right after the documentary showed some people being like, yeah, you know, lacrosse is, you know, big tough boys abound, you know, whatever. They flashed the stats of one of the Duke lacrosse players. Uh huh. I don't mean to intimidate you, but this guy was a startling five foot nine. And 175 pounds. Oh. (laughs) That doesn't sound like a big dude. (laughs) Then they showed another guy's stats. Ready for this? Yeah. This big boy measured in at 5'11". Uh-huh. And a whopping 190 pounds. Oh, gosh. (laughs) You sound like some, like,
0: little dudes. Like, nice, tall, lanky dudes you think they can drive normal cars? (laughs) 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 Okay,
1: so it does seem that some of the other guys on the team were actually pretty big. But the the documentary didn't show their stats here. And I have to make fun of something because (laughs) it's about to get really bad really fast. Okay, first off, you'll be devastated to know that Duke lost the 2005 National Championship. The Blue Jays
2: won? Mm-hmm.
1: Hopkins, yep. The score was 9-8. to eight. And if the footage is to be believed, I don't think that both teams had fun because Duke <laughs> looked devastated. But don't worry. They were going to dust it off and try again. They can dust it off and try oh again. No. Try again. <laughs> the following year, they were like, this is our year. We will win the national championship. Nothing can stand in our way. Not a thing. Not one damn thing. Is it bad luck that we keep shouting this? Uh, yes. <laughs> so you get the idea. The Duke men's lacrosse team had its sights set on a national championship. And there was a good chance they'd get it. I mean, after all, they were a great team. They were going to Duke, the Harvard of the South. <laughs> <coughs> and I can say that because I went to the Harvard of Boston. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if Vanderbilt knows (laughs) that Duke's calling itself the Harvard of the South. In the documentary, someone did call it the Harvard of the South. No, they didn't. Yes, they did. For real? Brandy, this is what everyone who goes to a small school anywhere is like, it's the Harvard of the below. And it's like, it's Duke. People know Duke. Yeah, Duke is is a big name. But even still, everything's a dick measuring contest, Brandy. (laughs) I hate to tell you. For those who are unfamiliar, Duke is located in Durham, North Carolina, mm-hmm. and their mascot is the White Devil. Excuse me, Blue Devils. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> the student population is composed of mostly creamy white elites from the Northeast. Mm-hmm. Fun fact Duke alumni include one former president. Who is it, Brandy? I have no idea. Richard Nixon. Oh. And four. Tricky Dick, eh? Hey, keep it clean, all right? <laughs> And 14 living billionaires. Oh. Yay. The article I read for this was really stupid. It was like, if you want to be a billionaire, you should go to one of these schools. And it's like, oh, this is just where rich people go. That's not like. That's not
0: how you become a. Yeah, that's stupid. Anyway. Anyway, Uh, Fun fact about Durham, North Carolina.
1: What's your fun
0: fact about Durham?
1: Michael Peterson lives there. Oh, well, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm hmm. Maybe I should do that case. Yeah, you should definitely do it. Do you have the nuts to cover Michael Peterson? I would die. Brandy, I would die. And you'd get to cover that prosecutor who was like,
0: he is a bisexual. <laughs> Sorry to anyone who has eardrums. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing.
0: Do well, it. I can't follow up Jody Arias with Michael Peterson. I do not have the nuts for that. Yes, you do all the hits. <laughs> okay, anyway, yeah. What if I do Jody Arias, Michael Peterson, Scott Peterson, fucking Drew Peterson, all in a, Drew Peterson? I've tried to do Drew Peterson a couple times. What happens? Well, because there's bathtub deaths. You know how much I love a bathtub death. Yeah, you weirdo. You're yeah, and, very and strange. Just, the waters are murky and oh, her, her. Uh, <laughs> I nearly didn't mean that. You did
1: Oh, my God. Just naturally it hilarious. It just rolls off the tongue. Okay. So anyway, yeah, if you want to become a millionaire, you go to Duke. That's how that happens. Uh, one alum who was interviewed for the documentary talked about how when he went to Duke, it was surprising when he ran into another Duke student who had a Southern accent. So you get the idea. What? So people came from other places to go to Duke? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Okay. Well, was that unclear? <laughs> what's, what's the face? I didn't understand it at first. It's a real thinker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty sophisticated quote there. Um, so you get the idea. It's a school in the South that attracts students from all over the place. And by all over the place, I mean mostly rich places. You yeah. Know. Mm-hmm. Okay. And for that reason, the relationship between Duke and Durham has always been a little complicated. Mm -hmm. Durham is a fairly big city. And I know we always make that joke because Norm said it, but this actually is the fourth biggest city in North North Carolina. Carolina, So it's not a pretty big city. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, It's also very racially diverse. It also has a fair amount of poverty. And around this time, the town gown relations were not good. What are town gown relations? Oh, is that school the mm-hmm.
0: Oh, Okay. I've always hated that, but yeah, I mean, Yeah, I've the, never y- heard that phrase you before. You never heard town gown? No. Hmm. I was not a reporter in a college town. So. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: we can't all live the good life. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, there's racial tension, snooty snoot snooty tension, possibly sinus tension we have no way of knowing, <laughs> and all of this tension was building. Hang on, I've got a I've got to enhance my screen here. What does that mean? Zoom in? Yeah. Enhance. 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 Have you ever watched any CSI? Enhance. Yeah. That's what I had to do to my screen. Anyway, so we got tension all around, all amongst us, and then came the night of Monday, March 13th, 2006. It was spring break. Spring break. What's that? Did you ever see that movie Spring Breakers? No. Did anyone see that movie? Yeah. I mean, obviously you did. Okay. The Duke campus. <laughs> One person will get that. Yeah. The Duke campus was dead, but the lacrosse team was on campus because they had to be. Something about preparing for games or you know some such Sports, bullshit. Yeah. Huh. Those butterfly <laughs> nets won't.
0: Butterfly themselves. Yeah. <laughs>
1: The captains of the lacrosse team all lived in a house that was owned by the university. Located at, okay, it has since been demolished. Um, Is
0: it going to come up if I Google it?
1: uh, Actually, let me Google it for you. I want to control what you see. I want to control who you talk to, (laughs) what you do, and your finances. (laughs) This sounds like a toxic relationship, (laughs) No, no, no. Only I love you. (laughs) It's located at 610 North Buchanan Boulevard, Mm. Durham, N.C. Okay, let me look it up. North Buchanan. Okay. Well, that's not it. (laughs) It just pulled up this beautiful house. That is not it, I assure you. (laughs) Zillow, get a hold of yourself. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay, well, now I'm looking at a vacant lot. (laughs) Boy, I'm so glad I didn't let you do this. Okay, hang on. (laughs)
0: Spoilers! (laughs) Left and right! Okay. Okay.
1: I am now going to pull, I've got this pulled up. You see. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) Jesus! Everyone, I dropped my water bottle and I had a totally normal reaction. (laughs)
0: She was really cool about it. Oh, yeah, the little white. Thing. Yeah, so it's a Bailey. little white house. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: It weirdly looks like a lot like a bigger version of what Norman and I lived in when we lived in North Carolina. Oh. So I don't know if this was just the Carolina model or what, yeah. but there you go. Great. That only took two hours. I'm glad I took that time to do Worth that. Worth it. <laughs> <laughs> so – The lacrosse team decided to throw a party. They'd have the whole team over. Just 40 dudes hanging out, getting drunk in a tiny house. What could go wrong? Talk about a real sausage fest. That's exactly right. (laughs) There are uh, pictures of this party. And it's just a ton of white boys in cargo khaki shorts, holding up red Solo cups, wearing their American Eagle shirts, in a big room with, like, nothing on the walls. Yeah.
0: I can picture it perfectly. Oh, my
1: God. You don't know. how It's so disturbing. Uh It's just like a poster. Yeah. And every other wall is (laughs) blank. Also, they're all sitting on old couches that are basically fart sponges. Like, you can (laughs) smell these pictures.
0: Fart sponges. They are
1: fart sponges. I wouldn't go near one of these couches. (laughs) So the drinking started around 3 p.m. with a few guys and grew and grew as the night went on. Normally at this point in the evening, the guys would all head out to their favorite strip club. Teaser's Men's Club. Oh. According to the Teaser's website, it's an upscale gentlemen's club offering stellar topless adult entertainment. Stellar as opposed to average adult <laughs> entertainment. Subpar adult entertainment. <laughs> but you will see nips. <laughs> But not everyone was old enough to get into teasers, and a few people had lost their fight. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> lost their. Life. This is not even that funny. <laughs> I meant to say fake IDs, but I wrote fake ideas. <laughs> and I just want to say to everyone, your ideas are real. Okay, don't let someone tell you that you have fake ideas. All right. I hope. <laughs> Oh <laughs> hey, everyone's feeling very inspired now. Uh plus on spring break the lacrosse team had an adorable tradition of hiring exotic dancers to come perform for them. So you know. Oh. If you can't go to the top up. You, you go. <laughs> can you imagine if 36-year-old me shows up? Hey boys! <laughs> 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 it would be the scared straight program. They'd be like, okay, we've learned our lesson. We won't <laughs> ever do this again. <laughs> so lacrosse player Dan Flannery took it upon himself to make the good times roll. Mm. He consulted his Google machine and he found the number for Allure agency. Mm.
0: Is it like an escort agency? Well, yeah, where you
1: call up, get your dancers, you know, I don't know. Oh okay
0: what well are they dancers or are they escorts a lure sounds kind of
1: suggestive
0: <laughs> i don't know well it's not going to be like
1: buttoned up agency it's not going to be like corporate <laughs> i almost said stiff but then it's like well that's Bobby, also subjective. Bobby okay ever. yeah um <laughs> gosh maybe we should open up an agency i don't know <laughs> got no shortage of good names no, they were calling for dancers. I'd call it balls out. Hmm. No, because then what about people who want to hire ladies? They're going to just No, assume. dudes only. <laughs> oh, okay. Or dudes only
0: agents. <laughs> All so right, It's fine. called balls out. I think. Because that's the part everyone wants <laughs> to say. <see. laughs>
2: <laughs> really short. short.
1: So okay, now here's here's a here's a great idea. Just spitballing. So they've got the topless gentlemen's clubs. What if you know people are made to think? Oh yeah, this is a topless club. It's dudes who are topless, but also have their balls out. It's <laughs> like peeking. What? You're just teasing? Sounds like you're trying to compete with Teasers <laughs> Gentlemen's Club. <laughs> no, you gotta fall. No, it's
0: like just enough. so that Like everybody's a little bit uncomfortable. They're like, does that guy know his balls
1: are Okay, <laughs> I let him know? you are so wrong, and let me tell you why. <laughs> You're trying to call this place balls out and you only want the balls peeking out? People are going to be pissed. <laughs> they're going to say this is false advertising and they're going to look themselves in the mirror and they're going to say, let's, let's go to court. court. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, Dan called the number, spoke to a woman, and told her what they wanted. <laughs> They wanted two dudes to show up, falls out. <laughs> then they show up, it's just a sliver of balls, and they're like, Excuse the me. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how Brandy went out of business and got into the podcasting game. Oh. <sighs> <sighs> No, so he called the number. <laughs> he spoke to a woman, and he told her what they wanted. They wanted two white
0: strippers.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and even though his, <laughs> I'm sorry. Even though his real name is Dan Flannery, he gave the woman a fake name. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> Would you like to know what the fake name was? I do. <laughs> okay, again, his real name is Dan Flannery. Uh-huh. <laughs> the name he gave her. Fan Danry? <laughs> Daniel Flanagan. <laughs> That's so close. Uh, True story, this young man is now with the CIA. Really? <laughs> no! <laughs> Spy! It's like. He gives himself a name that sounds exactly like their real name. Oh. Oh, like half an hour later, she called Dan or Daniel back, depending on if he's in disguise, and was like, okay, I have a Hispanic girl and I have a white girl. Both of them are 35, 25, 35. 36C, and you'll pay $400 to each dancer for two hours. And he was like, okay. And all the guys chipped in 25 bucks, and they were stoked, as anyone is when they're about to see today's. Mm, yeah. <laughs> One of the dancers that evening was a woman named Kim Roberts. She was 31, and she wasn't white or Hispanic. I realize it seems really weird that race keeps coming up, but... I was about to say, don't worry, it's relevant. <laughs> worry, it's relevant. Worry, it's relevant, <laughs> okay. yes. So she was black and Korean, and she had a young daughter, and she'd been working as an exotic dancer for like six months. Her boss at the agency told her to show up at around 11 for a bachelor party mm. of roughly 15 guys. Okay, well, that's not what's happening there. Right. Right. Kim felt okay with this arrangement. She knew she'd be paired up with a more experienced dancer. And it sounded like this would be like a pretty tame night with a small group of maybe older guys. Again, it was a Monday night. Yeah. So at around 11, she arrived at the house. But she didn't even stop the car. Just looking out the window, she was like, oh, shit, this isn't a bachelor party. This is a Duke party with a ton of young dudes. She circled the block and thought it over and eventually went back to the house. She needed the money. Mm-hmm. At this point, Dan Flannery met her at her car and talked to her. And, you know, he seemed fine. He kind of put her at ease. You look so uncomfortable, Brandy. <laughs> A minute ago, we were laughing our balls off. Laugh. We
0: were. We were. Now it's going to get bad.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we had fun. <laughs>
1: So, you know, he kind of put her at ease, but she did notice that as they were talking, a ton of guys kept coming out of the house to pee on the front lawn. So she's like, ew. Yeah. Yeah, you know, this is going to suck. Yikes. So she was outside the house waiting for the other dancer to show up, and she waited for like 30 minutes, and... The police drove by a few times, and Kim got nervous because she had a warrant out for her arrest because she'd missed a meeting with her parole officer. So she's like, ugh, I should probably go inside the house just to kind of be safe. This whole time, there was a fair amount of talk about race, which is good. We should we should all talk about race, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. As I mentioned, the guys had requested two white dancers, which I didn't know you could make, okay, anyway. Yeah. Um, And we're told they'd get a Hispanic dancer and a white dancer, and even though Kim isn't Hispanic, she's black and Korean, they were like, well, she's the Hispanic one, I guess the other one will be white. Okay. (laughs) I know, I know. So they waited and waited, and finally the second dancer arrived. It was Crystal Mangum. Crystal was a single mom to two young children, and she was a student at North Carolina Central University in Durham, and she's black. She'd been dropped off by a friend, and according to the guys, she appeared to be on something. She had trouble walking. She couldn't talk very clearly. Uh, Crystal later admitted that she'd had one or two beers and a muscle relaxer before she showed up at the party. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for what it's worth, she and Kim talked for a while, and they talked about their kids and their work, and Kim said that it was just like a normal conversation. It didn't set off any alarm bells. So both dancers were at the house, ready to do their thing. All the guys gathered in the living room of the house, and Dan made an announcement before the women came in. Here's what he said. Hey, both girls are here, and they're chocolate. Oh, God. Yep. Apparently there's, like, okay, I didn't write this part down, but there's, like, one black guy on the lacrosse team. God, that's got to be fun. And he was like, hey, you know, all right, you know, it's fine. And someone else was like, yeah, as long as we're seeing vaginas. I don't know. <laughs> I really no, I doubt he said vaginas. It. Yeah, <laughs> But, you know. Hey, as long as there's up here, <laughs> we're good. <laughs> I'm ready to see pubes. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? The colors may be different of
0: our pubes, but they're all curly
1: just the same. And I think that's really great. (laughs) Brandy, you were racist before this, but then you heard that and you're like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Our pubes are all curly. (laughs) How great. So meanwhile, Kim and Crystal were in the bathroom, getting into costume and talking about their performance, and they came out and began to dance. It went on for a little bit, and it started out fine, but it didn't take long before Kim got nervous. There were a lot of guys there. Oh God, it was just yeah, um, it sounds no. terrible. It sounds terrifying, terrible. Yeah, no, thank you. They weren't being super respectful, and she and Crystal were the only women in sight. At one point, one lacrosse player recalled that his teammate Peter Lamad asked Kim if she put objects up her vagina, and Kim, who is awesome, said something like, "I'd put your dick in me, but you're not big enough." <laughs> ah! Peter responded really well to that, as men often do. Right. He grabbed a broomstick and said, would this do? Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So player Matt Zash remembers this a little differently. He said that Peter Lamod had asked the women if they'd brought any sex toys, and Kim had said something like, what's wrong, white boy? Is your dick too small? Which, again, awesome. Very good. To which Peter Lamod grabbed the broomstick and said, here, you can use this, and I'm going to shove this up you. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, two slightly different stories. Either way, he's a giant douche. Yeah. And Kim was having none of it. She was super yeah. uncomfortable. And she's like, nope, show's over. You guys are being here. respectful. We're yeah. done. But this created some chaos. Kim and Crystal went into another room and shut the door, but Kim says Crystal didn't want to leave. She thought if they stayed, they could maybe make more money, but Kim was done. There were too many guys there. She didn't like the vibe. They weren't being respectful. They needed to go. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, some of the guys tried to get the women to stay, but once it became clear that the women were going to leave, some of the guys got mad. They thought they'd been hustled. Because the women had stripped for like just a few minutes, some of them wanted their money back. Some of them hilariously wanted to call the police, okay, yeah, okay. One of you just threatened to shove a broomstick up a woman. yeah, um, like half of you are underage, drunk as skunks. yeah,
0: call the police, please.
1: yeah <laughs> some of the guys tried to haggle with the women. To get some of the money back? I, I know. Yeah. And finally, according to one guy, they paid them $100 just to leave. Okay, whatever. Who knows? Okay. This just sounds like such a mess. So the women started to leave, and Kim got in, into her car, but, you know, she and Crystal had arrived separately, and Crystal had been dropped off. And she didn't feel right leaving Crystal behind yeah. with all these dudes. Particularly because over the course of the night, you know, the guys had been douchebags, but Crystal had gotten more and more out of it. Mm -hmm. By this point, Crystal was passed out half naked on the back porch of the house. Oh, my gosh. So Kim's like, okay, well, I can't leave her behind. So she needed to get her to get her a ride home. So lacrosse player Kevin Coleman went over to Crystal where she was passed out on the porch and took a picture of her. And then helped get her into
0: Kim's car. And the picture was for... I assume... Well, you know what?
1: Uh, Hopefully I'll remember to talk more about this picture later. But anyway. Okay. So he took a picture. Mm -hmm. So then Crystal's in the car and Kim's like, wait, she doesn't have her purse. The whole reason we did this horrible thing is for money. Like, she needs to have her money. So she asked Crystal if she had her things, and Crystal was just incoherent. She was saying, yeah, I got everything. But, like, she's looking at Crystal. She's like, I know you had a purse. You don't have your purse on you. Okay. So Kim went back into the house to try to get Crystal's things. But she couldn't find them anywhere. And the party was dispersing, and things were really devolving, and finally Kim gave up looking for Crystal's purse, and she's like, okay, I just have to get out of here. As they prepared to leave, the guys shouted the N-word at them over and over again. Mm, Gosh. The next-door neighbor, who was, of course, awake, because how could he not be, heard one of the guys yell, hey, bitch, thank your grandpa for that nice cotton shirt. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So Kim was furious. Yeah. It had been a horrible night. Now she's dealing with this racist shit. So she yelled, you limp dick white boys, you're not real men. You had to pay for
2: us.
1: (laughs) 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 And, of course, one of the guys yelled back, go home and feed your kids. And another one said, well, we asked for whites, not N-words. Oh, my gosh. At some point, Kim shouted back, that's a hate crime. I'm calling the police. She was so upset. It had been a terrible night, and it didn't seem right that these guys could just get away with that. Yeah. She wanted someone to do something about these guys calling them racial slurs, but she was in a tough spot. Mm-hmm. She wanted to call the police, but she had an outstanding warrant, and she'd just finished dancing for these men, so she thought that might make her look bad. But finally, at 12.53 a.m., in tears, she called the police, and she didn't give them her real name. She didn't tell him she was a dancer. She just said, and this this call is like heartbreaking. She goes, Hi, I don't know if this is an emergency or not necessarily, but I'm in Durham and I was driving down near Duke's campus and it's me and my black girlfriend. And the guy, there's like a white guy by the Duke wall and he just hollered out the N word to me. And I'm just so angry. I didn't know who to call. Mm. And she just sobs. Yeah. She made it very clear. She's like, I'm not hurt. And don't want to press charges, but, like, if that's something you guys take seriously, th- this is just what happened. Yeah. So now, you know, she's made this call. She's got Crystal in the seat next to her. But she didn't know Crystal's real name.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: She didn't know where Crystal lived. And Crystal was out of it. Mm-hmm. Totally out of it. So Kim tried calling her boss to get Crystal's address But the boss wasn't any help. So Kim's like, well, fuck. What do I do? What would
0: you do? Mm, I'll just take her to my house. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. let her sober up. Yeah. So Kim drove to a 24-hour Kroger
1: grocery store Mm -hmm. and found a security guard and told him kind of some version of what was going on. She said she'd been driving down the road, saw this woman passed out near some guys so she took the woman in because she was worried about her mm-hmm. and you know the guy was like mm, you really shouldn't take in people you don't know she's like yeah mm-hmm. that's exactly what happened yeah. uh. <laughs> <laughs> so at about 1 a.m the security guard called the police and told them hey there's a lady in someone else's car she, she's not getting out she's quote intoxicated drunk or something mm-hmm. he said she's not dangerous but you know she's not getting out of this car yeah So the police arrived and eventually got Crystal out of the car. But it was clear that she was very fucked up and she had no ID on her. They initially thought about taking her to Durham County Jail to be held for like 24 hours, sleep it off. Yeah. But instead they took her to Durham Center Access, which is like a halfway house slash emergency room, which I didn't know was a thing. But anyway, Um. Because it appears one of the officers thought Crystal was a danger to herself or others.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, eventually Crystal came, came to and Durham sent her access and a nurse asked her some questions. And it came out that Crystal had two children, five and six years old, who were currently home alone. Oh, my gosh. The nurse asked, did something happen to your children? And Crystal said, No. The nurse said, did something happen to you? And Crystal said, yes. And the nurse said, were you raped? And Crystal nodded. So, what? (laughs) Okay. The speculation here is that maybe Crystal came to and realized that DSS might get involved and she might lose custody of her children. Yeah. She had, um, she had kind of an interesting history. Like, she'd had a, a rough life. Yeah. A few years earlier, she'd this is a wild story. She got drunk, stole a taxi cab, and almost ran over a police officer. Oh my gosh! It was like real life Grand Theft Auto. Oh hey yeah, hmm. never played that game. But anyway, <laughs> um, so you know who knows? Maybe she felt like she was. Already on thin ice and here she was. Yeah. Fucked up. Her kids were alone at home. At any rate, she said that that night she had been hired as an exotic dancer and she'd been raped at the Duke lacrosse party. Mm -hmm. Then she said she hadn't. Then she said she had. Then she said she hadn't. She went back and forth, back and forth, giving and recanting this story. At one point she said that five men had raped her. She said she'd been robbed. She said she'd danced with two other women. Then she said that three men had raped her and that it had been at a bachelor party. The story was kind of all over the place. Yeah. And three days after the party, lacrosse co captain Dave Evans woke up from a nap at 610 North Buchanan to find 10 police officers in his living room with a search warrant. Mm hmm. Holy shit. Yeah. He and the other guys fully cooperated. They talked to the officers, told them their version of what happened. Said, sure, yeah, we'll come in later to give DNA samples. The guys weren't worried. They hadn't raped anybody. They'd been total douche canoes, but that's not a crime. Yeah. Later that day, the lacrosse coach, Mike Pressler, was annoyed with his players for having this rowdy party. But he stood by them. They said nothing happened. He believed them. Nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Overall, the players were super casual about this whole thing. Yeah. It would
0: blow over for sure. Hmm. I don't think it did because there's a 30 for 30 about it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Brandy, you know who wasn't casual about this whole thing? The police? Literally anybody. <laughs> <laughs> because this story had everything. Race, class, privilege, lacrosse sticks. (laughs) Our listeners are really um, at a disadvantage because they didn't see the fun dance. It was a fun dance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At one point, a local reporter got a tip about the story. This was huge. Yeah. Ten days after the party, when nearly the whole damn team went to the station to give their DNA samples... Whoopsie surprise, a reporter was standing outside. And either she was taking pictures or she brought the photographer with her. At any rate, the attorney for the players was like, oh, shit, this is bad. But don't worry. Hey, I've got a great idea. You guys should cover your faces as you walk into the police station. Uh Uh-huh. So the newspaper ended up getting photos of this line of white guys walking into the police station with their shirts up to their foreheads. Yeah, I've
0: seen that picture.
1: Have you really? Did you think they looked guilty or innocent? (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't look great. (laughs) (laughs) When you use your T-shirt as a turtle shell, it makes you look guilty. Sure does. Also, so I was kind of looking at these photos it appears some of them have, like, black hand towels over their heads. And I'm like, how did they get those? Yeah, where was that from? I These are the questions I have that I was not able to answer. Okay. This is the most important question about this whole thing. Am I right? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know how you just keep hand towels around?
0: Maybe it's a little cross towel.
1: What's a lacrosse
0: towel? I don't know, people have golf towels. I have a bowling towel. Maybe there's, you do maybe a lacrosse towel's a thing. And a beach towel. Yeah, mm-hmm. when you're when you're bowling, your hands get kind of sweaty. You gotta yeah, in the kind of get some oil buildup from your mm-hmm. ball. So why can't you just use a towel? Well you do, but it's a bowling towel. So if you
1: hopped out of the shower and used a bowling towel, I'd be like, no. this isn't sufficient. This no, isn't. that's
0: too small. Bowling <laughs> towel's small. Okay. It's only like this big. <laughs> So like six by six. It's pretty. Feet. No, <laughs> it's pretty small. All right, just enough for your fingies. Yeah, <laughs> not yeah I'm not wiping my whole body down with my bowling towel. Hmm.
1: All right, just an idea for next time then. Distract <laughs> the competition. I can't believe that you've seen this picture. Yeah. This is, so this is the one
0: thing you this know. This is of like historic. yeah. Okay. This is like all I know. All right. So this was
1: officially big news. The media was all over the story, including the New York Times. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it was a hell of a story. A young black woman had been gang raped at a party by three privileged lacrosse players, and the rest of the team was refusing to tell the police or anyone else what they knew. Is that what happened? Yeah.
0: Is it? It's exact Brainy Race class. <laughs> Privilege lacrosse sticks. (laughs) I mean, I think some real douchey stuff happened at that party, but... I don't recall there being a gang rape Maybe that was left out of the tale.
1: Maybe. Yeah, so none of them were talking. What a bunch of dicks, right? Mm. They were facing no consequences. Hmm... The whole damn team continued to practice, continued to do their thing, all the while they were working together to cover up a gang rape.
0: I thought that they were cooperating with the police and they came Shut and Shut up! Shut up! No. Okay. No. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> My mistake. Yeah. That is your mistake. <laughs> I don't know where you got that idea. One Duke professor publicly called for the lacrosse coach to be dismissed... He pointed out that there had been multiple other instances of lacrosse players being arrested for drunken behavior, and the university had done nothing.
0: What? I mean, this story's really gotten some legs, and people are really jumping to conclusions before there's been much of an investigation here, it sounds like. To be fair, it all sounds
1: like it could be so true. Absolutely. Right? I mean, this is the kind of thing we know this should happen. Absolutely. And so here we get the story, and it's like, yep, yep, there we go. Uh Okay, I hated this part because I hate the word quiver. But um, (laughs) in the New York. Where's that going? (laughs) Hold on. (laughs) What? In the documentary, the reporter from the New York Times. Like who was interviewed was like, you know, this is the kind of story that makes a journalist quiver. You know, it's all the stuff we know happens coming to I know, right? Gross, quick quivering around me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I don't like to be titillated either. Mm. And yet I want to open up
0: balls out with you. Boy. That's a thinker, isn't it? It does. It sounds titillating. Just the idea of it makes me quiver. Make me quiver. That could be our tagline. That's right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. So, you know, women on campus were understandably upset. Had this really happened and if so, what was the university going to do about it? What was anyone going to do about it?
0: And had it had it really happened though?
1: Brandy, would you shut the fudge up? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously it had happened.
2: Okay.
1: (laughs) Enter the hero of this story, District Attorney Mike Nifong. Nifong? Nifong, yeah. Oh, I love that name. Do you? Yes. All right. Well, good, because you like the hero of the story, so awesome. Is this guy going to turn out to be a bad guy? Mike was in an interesting position, I don't like how you didn't answer that (laughs) question. (laughs) He had spent his whole professional career working as a prosecutor. He had the experience to take this case forward. He was super well-respected, and he'd tried more than 300 felony cases. He'd recently been appointed district attorney by the governor. Mm -hmm. But it was
0: kind of like a placeholder thing. You know, he hadn't earned it. Right. He didn't run for it. Right. He wasn't voted in. Sure. He was appointed. But here's the thing. Mike
1: really wanted to keep being district attorney. Like, he'd do
0: anything to keep being district attorney. Like, make an example of these white guys at Duke who were accused of raping a black woman. Here's the problem,
1: Brandy, The primaries <laughs> were coming up, and it didn't look like our buddy Nifong here had a shot in hell. And then this case fell into his lap, and um, coincidentally, because he just loves justice, voting for Nifong can't be
0: wrong. See, it's good. it's a good name.
1: Yeah, um, I think his posters were like, "Let's keep Nifong," which is not—that's not catchy. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Well. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if he needs a new campaign manager (laughs) so you know he loves justice Hmm. so he really wanted to do right by this case and he was very willing to talk to the media about it oh no like always available to the media whenever day or night whenever they wanted to talk i don't think this is good (laughs) man mike nifong made for such a good interview too He was certain that this crime had occurred, and he was super pissed because the Duke Lacrosse team was not cooperating with investigators. Mike did great in these interviews. He was confident and disgusted about what had happened. And he wasn't the only one. Everyone was appalled by this story. Yeah, it's terrible. Yes, if it happened. I remember when this story happened. We talked about it in one of my classes Uh and we were all just like, oh, so disgusted that these privileged men were banding together and not talking.
0: Has anybody talked to uh, Kim? Kim?
1: Interesting you should ask that.
0: I'm going to go with no. No.
1: Maybe Kim, you know, doesn't know what she's talking about or, like, okay. you know, you know what I mean? Like, maybe she's confused. I have real weird feelings about this. <laughs> So, you know, everyone's appalled. We're all appalled. People made their opinions known. There were noisy protests featuring posters. So many posters. You know, I love a poster. Or do. Or did they have catchy sayings on them? Do you think I'm not going to read them to you? (laughs) (laughs) People taped the posters to the house where this gang rape had occurred. Mm -hmm. One read, get a conscience, not a lawyer. (gasps) (laughs) I
0: like that. You don't don't seem impressed. I don't like
1: that one. You don't? No. All right. Let me try another one. Obviously, this was posted on a Sunday morning. Okay. said, Sunday morning time to confess. Oh, that one's good. All right. I like that okay. one. <laughs> also, let me give you another one. You can't rape and run.
0: No, that's not even I don't catchy. like that one. Was, I don't what? like that
1: one, but it was there. So, <laughs> also, this is more of a a poster just for the general public. Don't be a fan of rapists.
0: That's just good common sense. I agree. Yeah. You can put that one up anywhere. <laughs>
1: Oh, okay. In the documentary, it was like, lacrosse is such a big deal. It's second only to basketball at Duke. And it's like, well, that's like saying my laugh is the second best one on this podcast. (laughs)
2: Like,
1: can we really compare like Duke basketball to lacrosse? I mean, come on. If I know. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway. So, you know, they've got their posters. Some better than others, but we're not here to judge the posters. Mm -hmm. And people took pots and banged on them outside the house. They chanted, we say no more, you know. Mm -hmm. They held up banners. One read simply, castrate. Oh, God. Worth a thousand words in my book. Woo. Mm-hmm. What? (laughs) You looked... You look troubled by all I'm the castration.
0: Troubled. I am very troubled. Uh, yeah. uh, hmm. I'm just. I'm feeling real weird about this. <laughs> People took photos
1: of the lacrosse team from the game program or playbill, if you will, and <laughs> made <laughs> and made posters of the photos. Across the top of the posters, in all caps, they'd written, Please come forward. Lacrosse coach Mike Pressler's house was also a gathering place for protesters. People put signs up on his house. One read, Do your duty. Turn them in. Another read, Rapist lover. Which is weird because rape has nothing to do with making love. Oh wait, I get it. (laughs) Jesus (laughs) Okay
0: (laughs) Yeah Um, Were there Three specific Suspects named at this time Or was it just like we know three of You were involved And you're all covering it up together Well I mean I don't think they knew that everyone Was
1: covering it up together but you know like People talk. How could there be a gang rape in a house with so many other people in there and people not know? Yeah, how could there be? And how could there not be talk afterward? Yeah, how could there be? How could there be?
0: Yeah. It seems mm-hmm. and I think I know a thing or two about this. LaCrosse? No. The people are jumping to conclusions. <laughs> <laughs>
1: making some judgments why do you know a thing or two before, about that Brandy? like
0: the facts are all out there Uh huh. I myself have heard someone <laughs> <laughs> do it on this podcast a time or two it's my dad's
1: favorite thing Brandy <laughs> when you jump to the wrong conclusion and you are in yeah. it with both feet yeah yeah <laughs> okay Quite a few Duke faculty circulated an ad with the heading, What Does a Social Disaster Sound Like? I'm not – I just
0: want to clarify that mm-hmm. I'm not saying I think it's bad that people are, like, believing the mm-hmm. woman who is saying she was raped. Like, that's that's not bad. Right. That's what you want. Yeah. I'm saying that maybe a proper investigation has not been done here. I think it's honestly
1: really tough. Yeah. Um especially in a situation where like okay you're on campus yeah and i mean oof i think as a woman on campus i'd be like mm, can we like get these dudes out of yeah, here <laughs> for a while?
0: yeah yeah but yeah that's, i think i think this reaction is a, a very natural mm-hmm. reaction yeah yeah but it makes me feel weird. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, it's pretty horrible if it's not true. Not true. true. <laughs> hmm Okay. So, you know, the faculty was pretty pissed about this. They created this ad. I was going to read you the whole thing, but, like, you get the idea. Yeah. It, they are anti-gang rape, so that's, that's refreshing.
0: Good. That's a good stance to have. I agree. Yeah.
1: And I won't apologize for it. For being
0: anti-gang rape? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Um, but despite all this pressure, no one on the lacrosse team was brave enough to admit what had happened that night. So 12 days after the party, the team had g- a game against Georgetown, which is the Harvard of Washington, D.C., and the Duke administration forced the team to forfeit the game. I believe the official stance was something like, you know, this is your punishment for an in- an ill-advised party.
0: They'd forfeit two games. I I think that's fine. Yeah. Like, yeah, the party probably shouldn't have happened, regardless of whether there was a gang rape there or not. See, I think the problem with this is
1: if the gang rape did occur and all you're doing. Well, yeah, that's not enough if a gang rape did occur. But if it didn't, then... I mean, I, it's hard for me to understand because I'm like, who gives a shit? But, I mean, these guys were very upset. Yeah,
0: well, also, I'm sure that they, you know, are, you know, when they sign up to be a collegiate athlete, aren't they saying, like, I'm not going to break the law and be in, you know, support underage drinking and shit. So. Well, yeah, but I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> this is breaking the law. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but it's hip to be square. Okay. <laughs> That's something all the kids are saying Is these it? days. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. Apparently forfeiting the two games, this was real serious for the players.
0: Well, yeah. It would be. It would have a great effect on their season. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's so funny to me because, like,
1: this documentary, I mean, the parents, the kid. I mean, people are just like, oh, my God, can you imagine... And this is just outside of my realm. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't get it. The only thing I can kind of get is like, obviously, I love Cheer yeah. on Netflix, and when they had to not perform in Daytona because of COVID, they were devastated, and I was devastated for yeah. them. Yeah. So I kind of yeah. I had I had to put it through the cheer lens though. Yeah.
0: Damn mm-hmm. COVID. Yeah.
1: All right. Anyway.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's the worst part of COVID. (laughs) Daytona was canceled. (laughs) I think Daytona's going pretty strong.
1: (laughs) I saw them perform last year. Not a lot of masks. (laughs) Anyway. um, So at this point, it was so serious that a lot of the parents began hiring defense attorneys. Days passed. Still, the players refused to turn on each other. Then... Is that for real? Are they not
0: cooperating?
1: Well, no. I mean, they all gave DNA samples. Like, they... Well, yeah, then... But they're not turning on each other. Like, the police were talking to them, and none of them were turning on each other. So they weren't
0: cooperating. Or maybe there was nothing to turn on each other for. They hmm. were like, yeah, we were shitheads, and there was a party, and, like, yeah, we probably... Said some really shitty things, and we're douchebags. We're racist
1: douchebags. Yeah.
0: And that's the end.
1: (laughs) Get ready to eat your words, Brandy. Okay. 23 days after the party, a bombshell. Investigators discovered that after the party that night, about an hour after Crystal reported being gang raped, Ryan McFadden, the six foot six star defenseman of the lacrosse team wrote an email to other players detailing his plan to murder strippers. Here's what it said What? I got the email right here. To whom it may concern, tomorrow night, after tonight's show, I've decided to have some strippers over to Eden's 2C. All are welcome. However, there will be no nudity. I plan on killing the bitches as soon as they walk in and proceeding to cut their skin off while coming in my Duke issued spandex. That's not real. This is not real. All besides arch and tack, please respond P.S. Wear a
0: smock, could get dirty. That is not real. Nobody sends out an email and is like, hey, come on over, folks. We're murdering strippers. We're going to come in our shorts. In the Duke issued shorts. Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> come in our Duke issue shorts. Is this planted evidence? Hmm. Is this fabricated evidence? By the fucking district... Whatever... What is it? <laughs> Who is it? Who's the guy? Who's my, Mike? Oh, my God. She's short-circuiting. My, <laughs> Who's it? What's, <laughs> it? what's it? Go on. What's it I got 20. <laughs> <laughs> what's Mike's position? He's district attorney. district attorney. Did the district attorney write this email?
1: Brandy, this is a real email. No, it's not. No, it is. It is a real email, not planted. No. I... Swear to God, this is a real email. What do you What do you make of this? Well, that guy's a fucking idiot. <laughs> okay, so it was a sickening email. Everyone lost their shit. The media reported the shit out of this story. Ryan, of course, received death threats. He was suspended immediately. I mean, this was horrifying. First, they gang-raped an exotic dancer, and then their next plan was to murder... Exotic dancers. What? <laughs> so, you know, everybody's just freaking out because it's such a terrible, disgusting email, obviously. Yeah. But at the Duke Student Newspaper office, they were reading this email and somebody goes, wait a minute, isn't this from American Psycho? Oh! <gasps> It was.
0: Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> so the lacrosse team had made a bunch of inside jokes based on American Psycho. Yeah. And so the whole email had been a joke, mm-hmm. a bad joke. Yeah. Um, but made so much worse in light of all that had happened. Yeah. It looked really, really bad. Yeah. At this point. Coach Mike Pressler was forced to resign and the rest of the lacrosse season was canceled. Yeah. If anyone had doubted the lacrosse players' guilt, they weren't Yeah, doubting that's it out the window now. Yeah, these guys are sick fucks, yeah. right? But still none of them had been charged because none of them were talking. Also because Kim couldn't really back up Crystal's story, but that's neither here nor there, so just Well, I th- d- actually think
0: that's <laughs> very important. What's Kim
1: saying? Okay, so this is what drove me a little crazy about the documentary. Kim was not interviewed. I don't know if they didn't, and they didn't really cover that side of it at all. But that was my kind of big thing. That's a huge thing. So the book went into detail about you know Mm -hmm. Kim's side, and I think that's really big that she was saying, "No, we we weren't separated from one another." Yeah. Uh, And obviously, it was a bad night. Bad things happened. Yes, And who knows? I mean, maybe something else happened to Crystal that day. I don't know. But it doesn't seem to be this. Yeah. But, you know, none of that mattered, okay? Because soon, the DNA would reveal all. And 28 days after the party, the DNA report came out oh, shit, none of the Duke lacrosse player's DNA had been found on Crystal. Uh, that's yeah. too bad. That's weird. That's, we should just throw that in the trash so nobody <laughs> sees that. <laughs> so, you know, by this point, the players' defense attorneys had all banded together to form the Hall of Super Best Friends, and they were like, okay, there's no DNA evidence to support this gang rape claim. District attorney, are you going to drop the charges? Are you going to
0: drop all this? Sorry, no one had been charged yet, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drop the investigation. Like, yeah, clear the good names of these white douchebags. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I mean, we know they're douchebags. Like, that is not up for debate. Yeah, I agree. But it doesn't really sound like they gang raped anyone. Yeah.
1: At a press conference, Mike Nifong said, For most of the years I've been doing this, we didn't have DNA. We had to deal with sexual assault cases the good old fashioned way. Witnesses got on the stand and told what happened to him. <sighs> not a good take, Mike. Okay, so this drives me crazy for a number of reasons. You know, obviously, if a rapist wears a condom, you know, like there can be rape cases where there's not DNA present. Yes. But to say. For most of the years I've been doing this, we didn't have DNA. Well, no, that's because you couldn't test for it, like, back then. Yeah. That's not the same as, like, we ran the tests and we didn't find anything. So, you know, Mike's case was kind of in the shitter, but he really wanted to keep being district attorney. You have no idea how fun it is to be district attorney. It's the best. You got to keep that job no matter the costs. So what if they didn't have DNA? DNA (laughs) shmianae. That's what I say. They had photo lineups. And not just any photo lineups. Special photo lineups. Of only Duke lacrosse players. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, so this violated the Durham Police Department's rules for photo lineups. You're obviously supposed to put in yeah. filler people. Yeah. You know, I don't know, picture of Bert and Ernie in yeah, there. I don't know. something. Mm. But no, only Duke lacrosse players were in these lineups. And the police told Crystal before she looked at them that she'd only be looking at Duke lacrosse players. hmm Great. So this is a... Can't pick a wrong one. Yeah. From those lineups, she picked two guys. Colin Finnerty, and Reed Seligman, and they were both arrested. She couldn't identify the third guy, so DA Mike Nyfong went back to that pesky DNA. Surely there had to be some DNA from a Duke lacrosse player on Crystal.
0: What about dino DNA?
1: That's enough. (laughs) (laughs) At this point, Mike hired a private lab called DNA Security to do additional testing. He was hoping that this private lab would be able to find DNA that the state crime lab had missed. Why the hell are you looking at me like that?
0: Mm, Or that he could manipulate the results? Lo and behold! He could manipulate the results (laughs) of a private crime lab? DNA lab? Whatever? Oh no! Oh no!
1: The lab found something. I bet they fucking did. One of Crystal's artificial nails had been found in a bathroom trash can of the lacrosse house. And this special lab found a partial DNA match on that fingernail.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Get a load of this. That DNA matched lacrosse player Dave Evans. Mm -mm Mm-mm-mm. Guilty as charged. Lock him up. Lock mm-hmm. him up. Feel free to join in. <laughs> Lock mm-hmm. him up. I don't feel good about this at all. Until this point, I don't believe any of the Duke lacrosse players had spoken publicly, uh, but that changed, yeah. thanks to Dave. He stood in front of a crowd of reporters, and here's part of what he said. <laughs> when the police first came to my home, I fully cooperated and have continued to try to cooperate with them. When they entered and started to read the search warrant, my roommates and I helped them find evidence for almost an hour and told them that if they had any questions, we would gladly answer them to show that nothing happened that night. I'd like to say thank you to my friends and my family, my coach and members of the community who have stood by us through everything from the initial weeks till now. Their support has given me the strength to come through this. But the thing that gives me the most strength is knowing that I have the truth behind me. I am innocent. Reed Seligman is innocent. Colin Finerty is innocent. Every member of the Duke University lacrosse team is innocent. You have all been told some fantastic lies. Wow.
0: Yeah. I got goosebumps.
1: Yeah. So that was pretty powerful. But, That's
0: very powerful.
1: You know, this case is moving forward. They're going to go on trial for rape. Colin, Reed, and Dave all appear to come from quite a bit of privilege. So their parents hired them excellent attorneys, and they were all very active in building their defense cases. Because, you know, these are all smart guys. So, yeah. So, I mean, the defense teams all worked together. They had weekly meetings with one another. They pooled their resources. And, you know, the state of North Carolina obviously had a lot of resources, but when you put the defense teams together, you know, this wasn't too shabby. And that's how the prosecution's case began to fall apart. Mm -hmm. One interesting thing that they discovered was the verbal description that Crystal initially gave of her three attackers. Yeah, what'd she say? So she'd, I think, described them as like, Dark hair, you know, kind of stocky, which mm-hmm. uh, honestly describes like all the little cross players. Yeah. So, but it doesn't match Colin Finerty like at all. Mm-hmm. Colin Finerty is built like a very tall baby doll. <laughs> <laughs> I know that sounds like I'm trying to be funny, but like seriously, he has this baby face. I mean, he's super lanky. Um, And also, I've seen footage of Colin's father, and Colin will grow out of it, so don't worry. Okay. His father's quite handsome. You can see how it's going to happen for Colin. I'm just saying that, like, at this point in time, he looked like a very tall baby doll. Okay. No one would call him stocky. Uh Uh-huh. Also, he's blonde. Anyway, one day he'll be a real boy. So, Crystal's (laughs) initial statement didn't match who she eventually picked from the lineup. But get a load of this. Sergeant Mark Gottlieb, who was the police supervisor in this case, released his notes, and oh, guess what? The description in his notes matched up with those final three players perfectly.
0: Mm, did it? So we nothing
1: went... sketchy is going on mm-hmm. here. He okay, went back and adjusted his hey, notes. Hey, he definitely didn't write these notes after the fact. Uh-huh. This is top-notch police work. I don't think it is. The defense team also focused on everyone's cell phone records. And that's how the timeline fell apart. Uh They discovered that between 11.11 and 11.39, Crystal made five phone calls. Jason Busy lived next door to the house, and he remembered quite specifically that it was midnight when the women first went into the house. Mm -hmm. Reed was on his phone from 12.06 to 12.14, after which point he and a friend got in a cab and went to an ATM. There's footage of this. It's not up for debate. Yeah. Colin made a phone call at 1222, another phone call at 1224. Dave made a call at 1129, and another call from 1234 to 1250. At 1226, Crystal made a call to the voicemail box of her escort service. Then at 1246, Reed came back to his dorm. And, you know, I assume you've got to swipe the key card to get in there. So there you go. This is all much easier to visualize when you're looking at the fun little time chart yeah. in the documentary. Yeah. But the bottom line is when you put all of this together, these four people didn't even have 10 minutes yeah. when they could have been alone together. Mm-hmm. But there were other things that stood out about the investigation. District Attorney Mike Nifong had told the police that he would be in charge of the investigation. You know, that was a little odd. Yeah. Also, he never talked to Crystal.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I guess he had everything he needed. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Also, this came out later, but time is a construct, so I'm going to throw it in here. Sergeant Mark Gottlieb had a super weird reputation for being overly aggressive in how he dealt with Duke students. Mm -hmm. He was a UNC fan.
0: Oh, shit. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So the defense
1: teams kept working together, and yay, hooray, Mike Nifong won the primary election.
0: Brady, yeah, you don't seem happy for I'm him.
1: Not. You applaud when oh, things go right. well. All right. And if you want to be wrong, vote for NIFON. Oh, uh oh. Change my slogan. Your campaign manager has turned against you, Mike. Right. Sorry. So you know, good guys are winning. Mike's gonna probably get back in office.
0: Yes, he's fabricating evidence and How dare you? You are gross. Mm
1: -mm. (laughs) This attorney, Brad Bannon, who was on the defense team for Dave Evans and has the cutest little baby face you ever did see, really gives Colin a run for his money, (laughs) knew that he had to look into this DNA evidence. This was the only thing tying his client to this rape, and the whole thing seemed fishy. How had the state crime lab And the private lab come up with such
0: different conclusions. Well, see, what happened Mm -hmm. was the Mm -hmm. private lab was given evidence that had been tampered with by Mike Nifong. Not quite. Okay. But I like where your head's (laughs)
1: at. (laughs) So Brad asked the DA for all the data, and Mike Nifong sent over 2,500 pages a very highly technical DNA
0: evidence. Oh, so the DNA Helpful. never said it was a match. He, he, is that where this is going? <laughs> Can you keep your pants Sorry? on? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously I cannot. <laughs> so
1: the problem was Brad had no idea what the fuck he was looking at. Mm-hmm. He didn't know anything about the technical aspects of DNA. Can I make a
0: prediction? Oh my God. <laughs> I cannot keep my hands up. Okay, what is it? My prediction is uh-huh. yes, the DNA was a partial match for Dave. Dave. But it was also a partial match for like a hundred thousand other people. Okay. Okay, continue. <laughs> I'll sit here quietly for three seconds. Oh really? <laughs>
1: So Brad has no idea what to do. No idea about DNA evidence. Mm-hmm. So what did he do?
0: He, he went had on... somebody analyze it.
1: No. Oh, he Googled it? No. He went on Amazon.com and he ordered a textbook called Forensic DNA Typing by John M. Butler. Oh. And he hauled up in the law office's conference room and he can My can't... favorite textbook author. <laughs> Just spat. <laughs> that wasn't even that funny. God damn it. <laughs> He camped out there for days. He read the textbook. He looked at the 2,500 pages, the textbook, the pages, the textbook, pages. He kept learning and learning and learning. I assume he ate a lot of takeout, you know?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm picturing, picturing like a montage yeah. in a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, and it's always the Chinese food yeah, containers. It's just, mm-hmm. The containers are just around him everywhere. There's also balled up paper. His tie's so yeah. loose. Yeah. At one point, it's just off. Uh-huh. At
1: one point, his balls are out. I'm sorry. No. That's no, just that's a different our, idea. That's a different, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he kept learning and learning and studying and studying, and he was finally starting to understand some of it. And at this point, he noticed that on some of the graphs, someone had made little handwritten notes on the top of the page. One note that he saw a few times read does not match and a series of numbers. He discovered that those numbers corresponded to the Duke lacrosse players. Yada, yada, yada. Brad discovered that the labs had found between seven and 11 different traces of male DNA on crystal, and none of it had matched any of the Duke lacrosse players. Oh, my gosh. Strange that the DA never mentioned this. Yeah. But Brad noticed other things, too. On one of the pages, somebody had written, could be BM, meaning this could be a bunch of shit. (laughs) (laughs) That was dumb. (laughs) Get it? Bowel, bowel movement. movement. We all got it. Mm-hmm. No, some people didn't get it, and now they are laughing. <laughs> <laughs> no, what, what he thinks this probably means is could be Brian Meehan, who's the lab director. Oh. Contaminated
0: hate, evidence. Right.
1: Yeah. Accidentally, you know, yeah. oops, fudge mm-hmm. stripes, as they say in the biz. Yeah, he forgot to the DNA put biz. a glove
0: on before he was handling precious DNA.
1: I hate to play favorites, but this guy, Jim Cooney, was one of the defense lawyers, and he was very sassy, and he wore a beautiful yellow tie, and he had a big part in the documentary, and he had a huge smile on his face when he summed this part up. Was it silk? His sassiness? No. Or the tie? The tie. I don't know. I didn't feel his material, Brandy. Was it
0: kind of shiny? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I bet it was a silk tie. All right. (laughs) Okay, what did he say? Jesus Christ!
1: (laughs) He said, So a PhD doing everything he can not to contaminate the DNA leaves more DNA in the rape kit than the entire Duke lacrosse team put together. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Sassy Jim being sassy. (laughs) Um, Brad isn't quite as sassy as Jim, so he just looked at the camera and he said, I don't think Dr. Meehan was at the party that night.
0: (laughs) No, I think that's really fucking (laughs) sad. It was good. (laughs) He said it was such a strange I love that.
1: (laughs) So this DNA stuff was huge. Not only because there was... All this other male DNA present, but because Mike Nifong had uh, maybe possibly
0: tried to cover everything up, and yeah, and it had excluded all of the Duke lacrosse players, excluded them.
1: What the hell was going on here? At this point, prosecutorial misconduct. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, at this, you know what? This is why it's so great when you take the wrong tactic, because you're so, so excited when you're on the right side of it. It's like, I just want to burst that damn bubble. At this point, it was time for a scheduling hearing. And even though these things aren't typically a big deal, this story was huge, so the courtroom was packed. And the attorneys all met with the judge in chambers ahead of time to talk about this shit with all the DNA and District Attorney Mike Nifong was as innocent and helpful as he could be. He was like, oh, the first I'd ever heard of any issues with the DNA was when I got the defense's motion a few days ago. Bull fucking shit, Nifong. Well, that is the first time he got it, and, you know, he told the judge, hey, because of the defense's motion, I took Nifong it upon myself. Nifong is always wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I took it upon myself to call up my expert, a Mr. B.M., <laughs> Brian <laughs> Bihan. And that expert is here today, ready to be questioned. And he said he was at the Duke party. (laughs) Sassy lawyer Jim couldn't help but tip his hat to Mike Nyphong. Looking back, Jim said, it was a brilliant move. We hadn't come prepared Mm -hmm. to cross-examine a DNA expert about DNA. We had no idea he was going to be there.
0: Oh, shit.
1: So the defense teams all huddled up. And most of them wanted to play it safe. They wanted to ask the judge for more time. But Joe Cheshire, our buddy Brad's boss, was Great like— smile. What? No. Like a Cheshire <laughs> cat. Okay, I'm sorry. It took a second. <laughs> He—you um, couldn't see him, actually. It was just a face <laughs> in the courtroom. And that was distracting. Yes. But, hey, what can you do? <laughs> so Joe was like, no, we have to act now. We've got this momentum. We have to use it. He said, we are going to question him today. And by we, I mean you, Brad. Yeah. And poor baby-faced Brad freaked the fuck out. Yeah. All the national media was watching him. And yes, he'd studied his ass off with a book he got off Amazon, but he was totally unprepared to cross-examine a DNA expert. Of course he was. He told Joe, I don't want to do that. I can't do that. And And he said,
0: yes, you can. Yes, you can. And then the whole lacrosse team was like, We believe in you. That's exactly what happened. Uh Let me tell you what happened. And they lifted him
1: on their shoulders. You know, I, I am trying to tell you a story that is very much like a sports movie right here. I know. And you're interrupting me to give me a fake version of a real story. How dare you? Joe said, Brad. I've been telling you for 10 years that you're an exceptional lawyer. You are different. You are a great lawyer. And you are prepared to do this. You do know it. You don't need any more time. You can do it. And you can do it great. And you will do it great. And Brad was just like, oh, just got a pep talk from the head coach. You know, he's yeah. like, oh, yeah. my God,
0: okay. And then he slapped him on the ass. <laughs> And Brad's balls were still out.
1: So it kinda <laughs> like it did sting. But you know, you're in the moment, yeah. you're moving, you're grooving, you can't uh-huh. complain. Yeah. So Brad took the lead on cross-examining Dr. Meehan. What? How did it go?
0: <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm about to I- tell you excited. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it started off slow, and that's how I'll start this off. Yeah.
0: You gotta speed this <laughs> up. I can't handle it.
1: They went through each one of the electro charts, Uh you know, whatever the fuck, one by one. And sassy Jim claims that within like 10 or 15 minutes of questioning, it became very clear that, quote, Brad knew what the hell he was talking about. Brad basically took Brian through every sketchy chart and asked him three questions. Is there multiple male DNA on there? Of course, the answer was yes. Yes. Does it not match anyone on the Duke lacrosse team? Which is a confusing way that of wording it. It is a it. very weird way to phrase it. So Brian said, That's correct. And he said, Was it not included in your report? Yes. Oh. <gasps> oh. As Joe put it, Brad ate Meehan alive. Oh, shit. And the whole time, District Attorney Mike Nifong sat there with one finger over his lips, like, Oops. I'm so fucked. Mm hmm. Brad kept asking him, Did you report these discoveries to Mike Nifong? And Brian Meehan was like, yes. Finally, Brad went to sassy Jim, sweaty, spent, needing some cool water. And Brad was like, Jim, I'm done. I can't go any further. He's like, you got to bring this one home for the team, Brad. Yes, that's exactly what I'm telling you. And Jim was like, don't worry. I think I can take it from here because I'm sassy. So at this point, Jim stands up and he asked Brian Meehan, Have you entered into an intentional agreement with a representative of the state of North Carolina not to report all of the test results? Yes. So Meehan shifts in the
0: witness stand. And he kind of, like, makes awkward eye contact with Nifong. Looks like he's holding back a snart, which I know you know all about. (laughs) It's too painful. Don't bring it up.
1: I'm going to read you his direct quote because I think it is bonkers. Okay. What does he say? Tell me. (laughs) There's only one answer to this question, and that answer being yes, because we did not report the reference profiles of those specimens, and we did talk about
0: not reporting those. Okay. So you said way too many words there. The answer is yes.
1: The answer is yes. Yes. I sure did. I absolutely did. I'm shady as hell. Yes courtroom erupted in applause. Oh. They put Brad on their shoulders, yeah. you know, yeah, I yeah. see you got uh-huh. it was too early for yeah. that. Okay. Judge Smith, who has a mustache like a push broom, sat there for a second. Mm-hmm. You're picturing mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. The footage of this judge was wild. Because you know, judges, they'd be judging, they're just kind of like sitting there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> judges be, be judging.
1: <laughs> And he looked so fucking pissed. Yeah. Like, what the hell have I just witnessed? Yeah. District Attorney Mike Nifong, it brings me no pleasure to tell you, was in deep shit. Yeah. This case was taken away from him. And in April of 2007, Attorney General Roy Cooper announced that they were dismissing all charges against Reed, Dave, and Colin. Yeah. Yeah. He even went the extra step to say, we believe that these three individuals are innocent of all charges.
0: Yeah. Which they don't normally No, do, they don't. The They're just like treatment. quietly dismiss stuff mm-hmm. and like are never like, oh, turns out we were actually really wrong about that. And that's our bad. They don't ever say that. They do if you have money. Yeah, that's true. And the creamy
1: white skin.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> creamy. That sounded very Creamy creepy. white skin. Yeah. <laughs> They should call it creamy white privilege. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> no, because then white people would get even more defensive. I don't
0: have that! <laughs> I'm not creamy at all! <laughs> Very watered down.
1: <laughs> he also referred to Mike Nifong as a rogue prosecutor. Hmm. And the whole crowd said, Ooh. <laughs> On June 15th, 2007, the North Carolina State Bar held a hearing to determine whether Mike Nifong should be disbarred. And they were like, we will take that law license now. Get the fuck out. He was questioned. And at one point, one of the questioners listened to Mike's bullshit answer and literally did the thing where you rub the heels of your palms against your eyes like, oh, my God, dude. (laughs) Ultimately, Mike was disbarred, and he tried to be like, "Oh yes, I resign, effective a month from now." And a judge was like, "No, you're done immediately.
0: Goodbye."
1: Later, at a contempt of court hearing on August thirty first, two thousand seven, Mike Nifong was found guilty of criminal contempt for willfully making false statements to a judge about the disclosure of DNA test results. Mm -hmm. He received one day in jail. No oh, great. Too harsh? I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe this is his only punishment. One day? One day. And he loses his license, which, like, of course Jeez, you of do. Of course you do. Where are they now? So the story around Crystal Mangum is complicated. A lot of people believe she was used as a pawn in this whole thing. I think that's very likely. I, I think so, too. Yeah. At one point, she spoke to the press and said, I am a real person, I have feelings, I'm not just an exotic dancer, I'm not just someone who tried to frame someone who was innocent of sexual assault. My only intentions were for justice and I wanted justice for myself. In 2010, she was arrested for attempted murder of her boyfriend, Milton Walker, but was convicted of lesser charges. And in 2013, she was found guilty of the second-degree murder of her boyfriend, Reginald Day. She is currently serving 14 to 18 years in prison.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: When she was much younger, she – this is a part I didn't write down, but she had filed a police report about gang rape mm-hmm. and then recanted it. Mm-hmm. I think probably this woman had been sexually abused yeah. at some point in her life. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's very likely. Yeah.
1: There's still a lot of controversy around Mike Nifong's previous cases. I know that's shocking to hear. Yeah, no, that's not shocking at all. Uh, In 2014, a man named Daryl Howard, who had been imprisoned for a double murder for 20 years, was granted a new trial based on evidence that Mike had withheld. Mm -hmm. And two years later, the murder conviction was thrown out and Daryl Howard was released from prison. And guess who his lawyer was? Sassy Jim.
0: <gasps> Go Sassy Jim. Yeah,
1: he had a really nice, like, paisley tie on. Oh, in the
0: photo. Mm-hmm.
1: And, of course, the Innocence Project is like, uh, maybe all of this shit should be reviewed. Yeah. And the state is like, yeah, It is, like pay.
0: a lot of work and we might have to,
1: like, pay I can't a bunch hear people, you. a bunch of money. Yeah, can't hear you. Don't want to hear you. Yeah. <laughs> In 2014, Sergeant Mark Gottlieb, who supervised the investigation and was found to have been very harsh with Duke students, he actually um, retired from the force or quit the force in 2008. Mm-hmm. And in 2014, he died by suicide. Mm. Uh, there are a bunch of civil cases tied to the Duke Lacrosse scandal, and I'm not going to go into them because I've talking, been talking forever, and you just interrupt me more because it's all <laughs> so interesting. <laughs> um, A lot of them are out-of-court settlements. Yeah. It's rumored that Dave, Reed, and Colin received a settlement of $20 million apiece.
0: Wow. Um, That
1: that seems insane to me. Yeah. Also too much. Yeah. This was very bad, but that's... That's a shit ton of money. mm Mm-hmm. The families of 38 other lacrosse players also banded together for a civil suit against the university, the city, you know, Mm -hmm. a bunch of people. And that ended in a out-of-court settlement, and nobody's talking about how much that was. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to end with something that Dave Evans said to the press. He said, This entire experience has opened my eyes to a tragic world of injustice I never knew existed. If police officers and a district attorney can systematically railroad us with absolutely no evidence whatsoever, I can't imagine what they do to people who do not have the resources to defend themselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's the truth. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the story of the Duke Lacrosse rape case. Wow.
0: Yeah. I knew nothing about that.
1: I I have always felt weird about that one because yeah. I so vividly remember like all of us talking about this one and like, "Oh my gosh, they're trying to deny it. They're covering up." Mm-hmm. and feeling so certain. Yeah. And then it comes out and you go, "Oh shit." Yeah. Oh my gosh. But yeah, it is so upsetting to think about. Like Mike Nifong was in the DA's office for like thirty years. Yeah,
0: yeah, he had his hands in a lot of cases. Yeah, yeah, that's a problem. mm Hmm.
1: Um. Fun fact: I think he's the only uh, district attorney in North Carolina history to be disbarred, disbarred while in office. Oh, okay. Fun. Super fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> Also, I think he was part of the prosecution team for Michael Peterson, I think. Was he? Am I making that up? I don't know. Are you? I might be making it up. I don't know. We'll I'm find gonna... out when I
0: cover the case. Yeah, I'm going to go pee now. Go pee. <laughs> go pee, and then we'll talk about Jody Arias. Woo! Oh,
1: I'm so excited for Are your you. Are you ready for this?
0: Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Um, disclaimer. Okay. This will be a two-part series. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> this episode will be six hours long if I cover the entire case today. So today I will be covering the murder of Travis Alexander.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And next week I will cover the trial of Jody Arias.
1: Quick question. What gives you the right... <laughs> Okay, everyone. Brandy's <laughs> nervous about doing a two-parter. Yeah. She's worried you're going to be mad at her. You're obviously not going to be mad. It's anyway. This is how it has to be
0: if you want this case. It's too oh. much stuff. How do my curtain bangs? look? They
1: look so good. I'm so excited. My favorite part about you cutting this was like, look I how cute this. you are. Oh my God, everyone, stop it! I'm too cute. You for are. Podcasting. Oh my
0: gosh. <gasps> Fuck, it's cute. Makes mm. me want, I cannot rock a middle part. Yes, you can. No, my face is way too round.
1: No, Brandy. It, it's it's the truth. Put
0: put no, your finger.
1: Yeah, let's see. Okay. Okay, everybody, <laughs> she just screwed. Okay. I think it would look cute. It looks super
0: modern. Yeah, my face looks like a giant balloon. No, it doesn't. I
1: look like balloon head. A sexy from... balloon. <laughs> it doesn't. You
0: <laughs> you tell your th- yourself horrible things about yourself all the That's time. That's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, shout-outs to ABC News for an article by Gail Duch, Denise Martinez-Ramundo, Jonathan Balthasar, and... Andro... Balthasar, please! <laughs> <laughs> and. Oh, Francis. Okay. I believe this article is like a. What? It's like a write up of like a 2020 episode. Oh, yeah. yeah, Watch the 2020 episode. I read the article on ABC News. Of course you did. (laughs) Also, a two part episode of Snapped. Oh, you see, even Snapped had to do two parts. That's right. That's right. Articles for AZ Central, Wikipedia, and the Huffington Post, who had a wonderful timeline of Mm. this very complicated case. Mm -hmm. Okay. Are you ready? I'm so
1: excited. Yes. Do you know, like, this whole, you know, all the stuff? I know about ninjas, if Mm -hmm. that's what you're asking. Mm. No, I don't know much about this at all. Okay.
0: Travis Alexander's friends were starting to worry. It was early June 2008, and they were having trouble getting a hold of him. He was supposed to be heading to Cancun for a trip he had won through work, but his friends and colleagues who had arrived in Mexico already couldn't get a hold of him to nail down what excursions he wanted to book. So they left him message after message, each one expressing more concern over Travis's failure to return the call. In one, they even joked, you better be dead, man. Hmm. By June 9th, Travis's friends suspected that something was wrong. The woman he'd been dating, Mimi Hall, who was supposed to accompany him to Cancun, couldn't get in contact with him. She was trying to finalize travel details. They were supposed to leave the next day, and she hadn't heard anything from Travis in several days. Collectively, the friends had left him so many messages that his voicemail was full. Yet oh wow! All the calls went unreturned. Then Travis did something he would never do. He missed a conference call that he was supposed to lead. What did he do for work? Um, we'll get there. I will not keep my pants. <laughs> <laughs> he worked for like a multi-level marketing company. Selling prepaid legal services. Ew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's not great.
1: Oh, so a work conference in Cancun. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Boy, that's how they get you, isn't yeah. it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that night, the night of June 9th, a group of several friends decided to go to Do Travis's. Do you want to make
1: <laughs> extra money and be your own hashtag girl boss, Brandy? I want
0: to be an executive. Wow. And I'm going to become an executive mm-hmm. by joining Prepaid Legal Services, a company that sells Prepaid legal, legal services <laughs> that you prepay for.
1: Couldn't they have done something a little sexier, like okay. leggings with bees on the crotch?
0: <laughs> or like a, a, just like a... Just spitballing here. Penis that comes straight out from your crotch? Oh, hey, Eiffel Tower. <laughs> oh, excuse <laughs> no, me. No, it was the Little no, Tower, Tower pizza. pizza. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Anyway, Idol tower, but he'd be, be stupid. I <laughs> would just be dumb. It's your boy, Skinny Weenie. Everyone, <gasps> Norm got a new Twitter follower, and that person's name is It's Your Boy, it's your boy. Skinny Weenie.
0: <laughs> and now uh, we say that to each other all the time. Thank
1: you, Skinny Weenie.
0: Oh my God. It's the best Twitter handle I've ever heard. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah.
1: I want Skinny Weenie to be my boy. Yes. Obviously. I'm
0: sorry. Continue your story. So it's the night of June 9th. Nobody can get a hold of Travis. So they decide they're going to go to his house to track him down. Worst case scenario, they think his roommates will probably be there and maybe they have heard from him. So around 1030 p.m., they arrived at Travis's home located at. Shut the front door. Okay. 11428. East Queensboro Avenue. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, on your search results, go to the Redfin listing because it has pictures. Ooh, it says price to sell. That's because something horrible happened. Mm. Spoiler alert. Gotta look at that backyard. That, that yard is... is bleak. You like dirt? Dirt oh, they, as far as the eye can see. They
1: couldn't even bother to put the toilet lid down. Okay, look for the at picture the living the room picture. There's like shit on the floor. Okay, but that's better than leaving the toilet lid up. I,
0: is it? Oh, man. Okay, cycle through the pictures here and then hold on. Let me get to the correct one here so I can tell you to really like committed Gosh, to that's a big upstairs oh yeah if this is a this is a very large house it's almost four thousand square feet okay once you get to the narrow tile hallway stop you know there's nothing more grim to me than
1: a blow-up mattress yeah on it's the not floor. yeah i would just mm-hmm. take that out personally yep i'm gonna
0: be honest i might have blown past the no you haven't oh here i see it Kay. okay yeah you see a uh Ironing board at the end of the hallway? Yeah. Okay, so we are now in the primary bedroom. This is the bathroom of that bedroom. This long-ass hallway is part of someone's bedroom? Bedroom, yes. This is wow. in the bedroom. Okay, okay, so so that hallway goes down to a bathroom. Okay. But that hallway is off, like, a the big bedroom. And then the next picture is, like, a walk-in closet. So that walk-in closet, the door t- is right next to that hallway. You can either access it from the bedroom or from the the bathroom. Okay. Okay. Next picture is again of that. And then now we're in the bathroom. This is the primary bathroom. You gotcha. got a separate shower, separate bath situation. The
1: master ensuite.
0: You're not supposed to say master anymore.
1: Why not? Oh, racist. Yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, you're supposed to say primary bedroom or main bedroom. Ugh. Yeah. My problem is I've <laughs> grown up swimming in this shit. <laughs> Damn it! Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. So just commit all of this to memory. I do agree. This toilet's just wide open and like. Okay. Thank you for now being willing to talk about it. Um. All every toilet I have seen.
0: Yeah. Three. Yeah. Has the lid up. Yeah. No one wants to see in there. Yeah. Okay. Have you committed that that bedroom bath situation to memory I just oh hit my the God. whole fucking mic I almost knocked it into my face <laughs> we haven't podcasted in a minute <laughs> forgot how microphones work yes I'm okay I'm hibbity flappity <laughs> give me the flappity tooty fresh and fruity <laughs> that's right everyone <laughs> I must now tell you something that I did at work yesterday <laughs> I I uh, was at the salon and a regular client come in and she was coming in to get, you know, a color and a trim. And she sat down in my chair and I was like, what are we doing today? Are we mixing it up? Doing anything new with the color? And she's like, no, I think I just want my roots touched up. And I was like, absolutely. No problem. Rudy tooty, fresh and fruity.
1: <laughs>
0: Those are actual words that came out of my mouth. Totally normal thing to, to my client. <laughs> <laughs> and she left that day. <laughs> Never <laughs> to return. <retention. laughs> okay. Anyway, so the friends show up at Travis Alexander's house. This is a house that he owns, but he shares with roommates. Mm-hmm. They let themselves in through the garage. And once they were inside, they were greeted by one of Travis's roommates, Zach Billings. And they were like hey, have you heard from Travis? And Zach was like, no, he's in Mexico. Oh, shit. And Mimi was like, "Uh, no, he's not. I'm supposed to be leaving for Mexico with him tomorrow and have been completely unable to get a hold of him. Right. So once the whole group has learned that no one has seen or heard from Travis in several days, including his roommates, the group followed Zach Through the house as he led the way to Travis's bedroom, the main bedroom Mm -hmm. in the house. As they neared the room, they all noted that there was a foul odor in the house that seemed to get stronger uh, the closer they got to Travis's door. Wait, his roommates had been in this house the whole time? Okay, yes, his roommates had been in the house the whole time. Um, are they just gross dudes? Well, yeah, it's a bunch of dudes that live there, and maybe there's some dishes laying around and there's probably always some kind of funky smell in there, okay, so Zach Billings found Travis's key to his door. Apparently, he kept his bedroom door locked most of the time he was there.-, mm-hmm. yeah, it's probably fairly normal for adult roommates i don't I, don't, I know. don't know, yeah, so he opened it, and once he did, all of their worst fears were. Confirmed. The smell of decay was strong. Ugh. It was clear that something horrible had happened to Travis. Just inside the door was a large bloodstain on the carpet and the bed had been stripped of its sheets. The only light in the room was coming from the bathroom, which was at the end of that long, narrow, tiled hall. Zach followed a bloody trail down the hall into Travis's bathroom, and there was blood everywhere. everywhere. It was clear that a brutal and bloody struggle had taken place there. And finally, he discovered Travis's mutilated body crumpled in the bottom of his shower stall. The friends called 911. Through tears, Mimi Hall told the dispatcher, a friend of ours is dead in his bedroom. The dispatcher asked, how did this happen? Do you have any idea? And Zach told her, no, we have no idea. Everybody's been wondering about him for a few days. After getting the details about the condition of the scene and getting police en route, the dispatcher asked, has he been threatened by anyone recently, to which Mimi quickly responded, "Yes, he has. He has a he has an ex-girlfriend that's been bothering him, and her name is Jody, Jody Arias." When police responded to the 911 call, what they found was nothing short of horrific. Travis had been dead for days.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He'd been stabbed at least 27 times. His throat had been slit from ear to ear and so deeply that he was nearly decapitated. Oh, my God. And he'd been shot in the head. Wow. See, I don't remember all this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Travis had put up a hell of a fight. His hands were covered in defensive wounds. This was a clear case of overkill, and it was clear that it was deeply personal. A search of the scene turned up several pieces of evidence, which would prove to be quite helpful in identifying Travis's killer. In the bathroom, they found several long, dark hairs and a twenty-five caliber shell casing. On the wall of the bedroom, they located a bloody handprint. And in the laundry room, they found the biggest piece of evidence. In the washing machine, mixed in with a load of towels and underwear, they found a digital camera. It was identified as belonging to Travis. He had recently purchased it to take on his trip to Mexico. The camera had been through a wash cycle and was water damaged, but the memory card inside was intact. Technicians were able to access the pictures on the card and found them to be of little interest. There was nothing of note there. Rude. (laughs) But what they did find was a file of recently deleted pictures. But that file had been damaged in the washing machine, you know, apparently. Well, shit. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it would take a tech team some time to figure out what had been deleted off of Travis's camera. In the meantime, they started to look into their murder victim, Travis Alexander, and the person whose name had come up as a suspect from the very beginning in the 911 call, Jody Arias. What they learned was that Travis Alexander was a pretty inspiring figure to those who knew him, colleagues and friends alike. Travis was born July 28, 1977, so he was 30 years old at the time of his death, He was born to Gary and Pamela Alexander, and he was one of eight children. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Travis had an extremely rough childhood. Both of his parents suffered from addiction, and their drug of choice was methamphetamines. The children would often go days without seeing their parents Mm. and would have to fend for themselves for food. They often survive just off of ramen or rotten food from the refrigerator. Oh, gosh. When he was 10 years old, Travis went to live with his grandparents. His grandparents took him and his siblings in. And from there, his life really took an upward turn. His grandparents were members of the LDS church. And soon, Travis became a member as well. And his faith became an important part of his life. By the time he reached adulthood, he was a very active member of the church and a leader in his ward. In addition to being active in his faith, Travis had a very successful career as a salesman and motivational speaker with prepaid legal services, which was a super questionable pyramid scheme. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whoops, I mean multi-level marketing Company. Yeah, those two things are so, so different. Totally different. It's a completely different thing. hmm um, and prepaid legal services is apparently still around today, but now goes by the name Legal Shield. Great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I... there's still an opportunity
1: to make money. That's right. You can become your own boss. Great. Mm-hmm. So sick of my mm-hmm. current work situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your
0: coworker's a bitch. <laughs> so, my understanding of prepaid legal services is it's essentially legal insurance. You pay a monthly premium. Oh my god! And then I'm should serious? you? Need, yeah, and should you need legal services at some point, you have them to some degree. <laughs> I'm sure it's super helpful. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, great. It seems like the scamiest scam. Mm-hmm. That's um, ever scammed? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But regardless of my feelings about this MLM, Travis excelled with the company, and by 2006, he had reached the executive level. Okay, but aren't they all called, like, <laughs>
1: Diamond, Emerald?
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he's Super. An executive. Yeah, I mean, it always sounds good. It's never, yeah. like, I'm at the shit level. No, I'm at the executive level. Okay. That's how you, you're you required to say it that way. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I just hit a button and I have no idea where I am. <laughs> Clearly, H- you're L- not on
1: the executive, executive level.
0: I'm sorry, on the what? I'm sorry.
1: Executive level! You know, this is how I know that it's an MLM that has a lot of men in it. Because, you know, yeah. oh, the yeah. lady ones are like...
0: Yeah. I'm at the sapphire level? Yes. <laughs> and I just need three more people to sign up, and then... Hey, girl. I'll, I'll be hey a girl. diamond. <laughs> hey, hun. <laughs> <laughs> hmm.
1: So anyway... I'm looking for awesome babes. Yeah. <laughs> Hot mamas who want to... <laughs> <laughs> uh. mm-hmm.
0: So in addition to being at the executive level... Um Travis was also doing Speaking gigs at the company's conferences, so he was like a motivational speaker. So he had
1: to have been fairly high up in the company. Uh, he was at the I executive it. level. <laughs> Set you up for that? No, I mean it. Like I think if you get to speak yes. at those conferences, and also yes. he
0: had a really good story. Um, well, yeah, rags to riches. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. He was thirty years old and he bought himself this four hundred thousand square. I'm sorry, four thousand square foot house. God damn, that is something (laughs) huge, enormous. Also, was he hot? I mean, yes. Okay, well, that's all. Yes, he was extremely good looking. You always bury the lead on this kind of stuff. He looked like every guy that was hot in two thousand eight. He wore popped collar. Yeah, he wore you know graphic tees. Mm -hmm. Uh huh, Mm -hmm. and um, he had like you know short spiky hair. Oh yeah, yeah, yes. He had a great smile. Take me away. Yes. <laughs> Sweet escape. That's right. Uh-huh. So, yes, he was giving these, you know, motivational talks. He was recruiting people. He was at the executive level. You've mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> and it was actually at PPL. What? they like to call it, prepaid legal services. They at, shouldn't do that. <laughs> at PPL's annual conference in Las Vegas in September of 2006 that Travis met. Jody Arias, for the first time, because Travis was at the executive level at PPL, where there was this <laughs> I'm gonna jump out the window special <laughs> fancy dinner he was supposed to attend on one of the nights of the annual conference. What but it was, was served? I don't know, damn it, I don't know, but it was customary to bring a date to the event, and Travis didn't have one Mm, how embarrassing i know so one night before the dinner he was talking to his friends and colleagues about his lack of date and someone suggested that he take the new girl who had just joined the company from california and travis was like okay give me your number oh wow So he called up the new girl and asked if she would like to be his date to the executive dinner. And because Travis was kind of a big deal in PPL, the new girl was like, hell yes. And she accepted the invitation. That new girl was me. (laughs) (laughs) Albert Einstein. No, of course it was Jody Arias. (laughs) Oh, my mistake. So on the night of the big dinner, Travis waited with a group of friends where he had agreed to meet Jody, and when Travis laid eyes on her for the first time, he was awestruck. Ooh. Jody was the whole package. She was blonde, she was beautiful, she was friendly, she was funny. I remember her as brunette. Oh, do you?
1: Hmm. Trial makeover? mm mm-hmm. Okay. Trial All make right. under. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> no. Um, so Jody had, let me describe to you yeah, the please look do. that Jody had. Okay. And it's 2008. All right. It's 2008. Jody has very groomed eyebrows. As you do. Yep. yep. yes Okay. Mm-hmm. She has... A pretty face, but she's not, like, a lot of makeup. Like, it's like, oh, is that a natural beauty? That looks good. And then it was clear that she was not a natural blonde because, let me tell you what she was doing. She was obviously home coloring her blonde because... How do you feel about that? She had, from about an inch and a half down, very nice, pretty, buttery blonde. Mm -hmm. But them roots... Brassy as fuck. So let me tell you how she was achieving that. She was not getting the Rudy Tootie fresh. And she pretty. was not getting the Rudy Tootie fresh. And pretty, that's right. So what she was doing is each time she was coloring her hair at home with that box color or that color that she bought from Sally Beauty, she was overlapping the previous section. Mm-hmm. So she would then each time get that brassiness out of the last colored section, but those roots. No hiding that brass. So a lot of times, she would wear like a little baseball hat, mm-hmm. and then you just see like her cute blonde hair. There's no hiding those roots, Jody. I see them, and that's the and big it's crime. Brassy as fuck. <laughs> Could she have used some purple shampoo? A br- purple shampoo was not going to do it. She needed her hair professionally colored. <laughs> Could she have prayed to Jesus? <laughs> No, but let me tell you, she's going to try. Okay, all right, okay, okay. So, what was she wearing at this event? You know, I don't know. A cute little dress. I believe Travis was wearing a pinstripe suit. Oh hell yeah! Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so the two go to this very fancy dinner because mm-hmm. Travis is at the executive level. I swear to God. <laughs> That's not even in my notes. I I know. I know. You're just excited. (laughs) God. And they talked the whole time. Travis was smitten. I thought he was awestruck. He was awestruck when he saw her. Okay. He's now smitten. smitten. That's the story of me and Norman too. Yes.
1: (laughs) Domestic bliss. (laughs) Everyone. Last night, I fell asleep. Fell asleep, passed (laughs) out. Okay. Last I remember, I was laying on top of the covers and I was watching Abbott Elementary, really laughing it up. Next thing I know, it's morning time. Anyway, Norman said that when he walked into the room, I was snoring on top of the covers. And it reminded him of the episode of The Office where Michael is like... Domestic bliss. i got to, This is what I do it for. And Jan's just like passed out face down on the bed. Anyway, eh, I'm rude, a wonderful woman.
0: <laughs> so they go to this dinner. They have an amazing time. The next day, Travis told his close friend and colleague, because all of his friends also work at PPL, mm-hmm. um, Sky Hughes and her husband, Chris, that he and Jody had stayed up until four o'clock in the morning just talking. It was wonderful he told them that he had found his wife. Oh gosh, that makes me so sad. Jody was the girl he wanted to marry. Yeah, it's sad. Hmm. So after the convention, Travis and Jody stayed in contact, but Jody lived in California, Travis lived in Arizona. They saw more and more of each other. They traveled together. Saw each other as often as they could. And Travis told his friends that he was beginning to develop very deep feelings for Jody.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, kind of started with want to marry her. So, yes. Yeah, I'm beginning to develop deep feelings. Yeah. yeah. All he right.
0: wrote in an email to his friend Sky. Oh, my God. I went from intrigued by her to interested in her to caring about her deeply to realizing how lucky I would be to have her. As part of my life forever. Hmm. She is amazing. It is not hard to see that whoever scores Jody, whether it be me or someone else, is going to win the wife lotto. Wow. There was one major problem in this relationship that was growing. Between Travis and Jody, though. At this point, they were just friends. They were not in a relationship. They were just getting to know each other, seeing each other as often as possible. The major problem was that Travis was super involved in his faith, and Jody was not Mormon. Mm-hmm. And like that was a deal breaker. For Travis. Right. And up to this point, Travis had been a pretty devout Mormon. Is he going to give up Mormonism for her? Nope. But about a month into their friendship, they started having sex, which is like the number one most important rule in the Mormon faith is that you do not have sex outside of marriage. According to Colleen McDaniel, D-A-N-N-E-L-L. Okay. Yeah. Who is a professor, professor (laughs) of religious studies at the University of Utah. She says the laws of chastity are some of the most important laws in the LDS church for Mormons, sex and sexual activity outside of the bonds of marriage are forbidden. She said, the law of chastity basically says your body is a sacred space. Your body was given to you by God. It is not yours. It is not just your decision to do with it as you will. Wow. God has given this to you and you must respect it. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. She goes on to say, And Latter-day Saints believe that because marriage is so important and so intense and sexuality is so much a part of that, that you need to preserve those sexual expressions for your spouse. So before you marry and after you marry, you have to keep yourself sexually pure. This is one of the core tenets
1: mm-hmm. of
0: the LDS faith. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Same with Norm's faith, because, you know, he signed that dare pledge. That dare pledge. <laughs> the dare virginity pledge.
0: Yeah. And being true to his faith was super important to Travis. But he also really liked banging Jody Arias.
1: Well, I mean, the he's a 30-year-old 30? man. Yeah.
0: I'm sorry, but. Yeah. Yes. This is why people get married
1: when they're, like, 19. Yes. Yes.
0: All right. He liked having sex with Jody, but he felt really guilty of it. He felt guilty of it? Guilty about it? (laughs) (laughs) Uh (laughs) Travis's friend Dave Hall said of Travis during this time, He was always incredibly strong in the church, but after meeting Jody, some of the conversations were about the challenge of morality because of this girl in his life. He confided in his close friends that he believed Jody to be a nymphomaniac and that he was really battling with what to do with that. At first, he didn't admit to them that he'd already started having sex with her. Mm-hmm. So... My take on this (laughs) is that this is a 30-year-old man who doesn't have many sexual experiences, I'm guessing. And, like, she probably just, like, liked sex a normal amount. He was like, oh, my God! She's a nipple! (laughs) Well, also, like,
1: (laughs) I don't know what kind of women he'd been used to, but, like...
0: Mormon girls. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah!
1: So, (laughs) I think probably just... Expressing yourself sexually and saying you want to have sex was probably pretty wild. Yeah, he was like, "Whoa!" (laughs) Yeah,
0: okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Travis wouldn't even officially say that he was dating Jody because she wasn't Mormon. So instead, well, uh, come on. mm -hmm, Instead, he sent the missionaries to her house, and he read to her from the Book of Mormon, and he shared his faith with her. And in November of 2006, just two months after they met, Jody converted to the LDS wow. faith. Wow.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. And Travis was the one to baptize her. So, in a show that I watched, Someone familiar with Jody made a comment about like this was not the first time she had done this. This was kind of her mo when she started dating someone. She got very involved in whatever they were involved in. <laughs> I'm
1: sorry, in. I thought you were saying this was not the first time she converted
0: to Mormon. Not the first. It was the first time she converted to Mormon. <laughs> not the first time she took on somebody else's religion, though. Well, to right. be close I mean, it to them. It sounds yes. like yes. This
1: like obsession, you sponge up whatever they are, and become
0: exactly what they want. Exactly, her typical mo in a relationship. Also,
1: like chastity was like super duper important to him, but he gave it up after like a month.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, wasn't that important? Also, she was pretty hot, and like was like, yeah, I mean, like she's sending him text messages like, "Hey, you make me super wet. I'd love to have sex with you." Well, no wonder he yeah. thinks she's a info. Yeah. <laughs> Poor boy didn't know what to you do. You make me so horny I can't stop thinking about you. Yes, this thirty year old Mormon doesn't know what to do. He's like, I guess I am to have sex with her. She might die if I do <laughs> Oh God <laughs> <laughs> So he baptized her, and following her baptism, the two continued to see each other as regularly as possible. But again, Travis lived in Arizona, and Jody lived in California. Well, but it's not they, that far. I mean, come on. Um, I, it was like a few hour drive. What's a few hours when you're in love? We're in love. <laughs> But they talked constantly over the phone, through emails, through text. In the course of their relationship, they exchanged over 82,000 emails with each other. Wow. In like a year and a half. So many emails. So many emails. And of course, they continued to have sex pretty regularly, though they still weren't officially dating. To Travis? Why weren't they
1: officially dating yet? I mean, she's converted, right? Mm Mm-hmm.
0: You ready? Yeah. Okay. To Travis, there was still a major problem with Jody. Yes, she was now a Mormon. Great. But she wasn't the type of Mormon he wanted to marry. He wanted to marry a pure, virginal (gasps) girl. So by banging Travis, Jody had essentially taken herself out of the running for being his wife. But it seems that he never bothered to tell her that. Wow. Yeah, and he just kind of continued having sex with her regularly and then really battled with his guilt about it. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, that's some creamy, steamy misogyny right there. It sure is. It sure is. Creamy, steamy misogyny common trend in the LDS church. Yeah. So, there you go. Travis admitted to his friends that he was infatuated with Jody though, and in February of 2007, they finally began officially dating. After they began, like after they made their relationship official, Travis's friends uh, kind of found her behavior a bit concerning. She seemed obsessed with Travis. There was one. night, So when they were going back and forth from Arizona to California, they'd sometimes meet like in the middle and they had a friend. That friend, Sky Hughes, and her mm-hmm. husband, Chris, lived somewhere in the middle. And so a lot of times they'd spend like the weekend at their house, right? And one night, like the four of them were all out in the hot tub, and like they're in the middle of a conversation, and like Jody like climbs on Travis's lap and like straddles him and starts like grinding. Whoa. Meanwhile, Sky and Chris are like right there, Ugh. and it's like a it's a fucking hot tub full of Mormons. So this is probably the raciest thing that they have <laughs> like seen in a minute. And Sky said, you know. I would be scandalized. She was super uncomfortable with. Well, it. Yeah. yeah. She said she was all over him. I mean, like eighth graders whose parents are out of town. <laughs> <laughs> she was straddling his lap and sucking on his neck, and it's like, yeah, and it cut like, it out. Travis <laughs> was really uncomfortable with it too. He kept pushing her off, and he was like, "Jody, get off of me! What are you doing?" And he was like, "There's other people here." <laughs> It seemed like everybody was very uncomfortable with this. And this was just kind of like the way things continued. She was like overly affectionate to the point that other people were uncomfortable. She seemed very possessive of him. There was like one night where he had like a group of church friends at his house. And they were like all making cookies in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And she like kept referring to him as like her man. And this would be her house. And like it just rubbed everybody really weird. Yeah. And they're against rubbing, so. (laughs) Anti-rubbing. And it just, like, kind of that stuff just continued through the course of their relationship. Like, anytime they were were in a group, she was either, like, sitting on his lap or sitting, like, right next to him. I'm okay with right next to him, but, like. (laughs) On his lap when you're with other people. Yeah, it it makes me so uncomfortable. I hate, yeah. I don't even like Santa Claus, you know, (laughs) so. (laughs) And she hated it. If he even like had a conversation with another female, so the fact that one of his very close friends was a female, Sky Hughes, who was married, mm-hmm. she was pretty jealous about that and like wanted to know what they talked about all the time. She'd go through his phone and read his emails. She would forward herself emails that he received from other women. Why? Because she needed to keep all the tabs, apparently. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So Travis and Jody's relationship continues. They're like a couple months in at this point. And as Travis's friends got to know her better, they were just more and more creeped out by Jody's behavior. Yeah. Like. Travis would get a phone call and he'd go to like, you know, excuse himself from the room so he could Mm -hmm. take the call and she'd follow him so that she could listen. If he'd get up and go to the bathroom, she'd walk and stand outside the door and wait for him to come out. My. (laughs) So fucking weird. So fucking weird. Well, I mean, you got to know what's going on in there. No. No. (laughs) (laughs) So one day, Skye and her husband, Chris, are like. We gotta talk to him about this. Yeah. Like this is not a healthy relationship. This is fucking weird. It's super fucking weird. And so they sat him down and they were like, We're worried. Like this seems like she could be dangerous. Oh, they thought she could be dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we feel like this could escalate and she could be dangerous. And Travis is like, oh, my gosh, you guys are so silly. She's great. She's sweet. Things are wonderful. Do not worry. Had he dated much before this? He had dated, but he dated exclusively Mormon girls. And so relationships had not. Had he ever been married before? No. Okay, so.
1: None of those relationships could have advanced too far because surely you would get married. Right, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So he had very limited dating experience, and all of a sudden he's in this thing.
0: Yeah. This very physical, very intense relationship. Yeah. And he's like, no, 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 everything's fine. And they're like, I don't know. This doesn't seem like a normal, healthy relationship. So this conversation that they have with him, they like had they, it was like one of those weekends when they were staying at their house. And so they would pulled him aside and they have this conversation. And in the middle of this conversation, when he's like br- brushing them off, he's like, no, mm-hmm. I swear, everything's fine. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, Skye was like, she heard a noise. Oh, shit. And she was like mouthed. To Travis and her husband Chris, she's standing outside the room. I can feel it. Oh fuck! And Travis is like, "No fucking way!" Only he didn't say "fucking" because yeah, he's of like, "Of you know, not, good Mormon boy." And he didn't believe him, and so he just went over and he opened the door real quick, <gasps> and. She- and she, Sky said that oh. Jody looked at her and gave her the most evil, cold look she had ever oh, seen. Fuck. She said there was rage in her eyes, and from that point forward, oh yeah, I was frightened of her. Yeah. Oh. She said she believed that Jody could be capable of burning her house down with her in it. Did
1: Travis know that she listened to him taking dumps?
0: I don't know.
1: Okay, because I was going to say, like, I mean, the fact that she's right outside the door, I would think that wouldn't be super surprising.
0: No, maybe he didn't know she was waiting outside the door every time he went to the bathroom. Like, oh, shes God. he's obviously not able to observe that. Yeah, after five months together, Travis actually broke up with Jody. He was like, "I'm done. This has like run its course. You know, it yeah. is what it is. Like it was great, whatever, but it's done." And like a couple weeks after Travis broke up with Jody, she moved to Mesa. Which okay, is where he lived. Yeah. Real chill man And everybody's like, this is not a good sign. No. 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 From that point forward things escalated and Jody moved into like full on stalker mode. She would show up at his house and she had the garage code so she'd just come in and then like if That's terrifying. He, I, at some point maybe I think he managed to change the garage code and so she broke into his house through the doggy door. She oh, crawled God. in through the doggy door. <laughs> I mean. Okay. One day he, like, came out to his living room. This is so scary. One day he came out to his living room and found her hiding behind his <gasps> Christmas no, tree. No, stop. Oh, my God. No. Yes. This is terrifying. Yeah. So these times that she would just, like, show up at his house, sometimes he'd get angry and he'd yell and tell her to leave. hmm And sometimes they'd have sex. Yeah. 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 No, that honestly tracks. Yeah, it makes... I
1: Absolutely. It's an abusive relationship, so you get sucked in, you try to get out. Um, Yeah. This poor guy, he just didn't have the life experience. No, I think that's exactly it. Is that... That's my mom calling me. Okay. Because I'm very popular. I know you are. Sometimes my mom calls me, sometimes my dad calls me, (laughs) sometimes it's my sister. You never know. Sometimes it's you, but you're right here. disabilities
0: are endless. (laughs) Except... We've hit the end. (laughs) So this is going on, this like active, like... Showing up, sometimes he kicks her out, sometimes they have sex, like, right. is going on. Meanwhile, Travis started dating a woman from his church named Lisa. And What happened Jody, to Mimi? I thought Mimi... M- Mimi's... Oh, I'm Mimi's sorry. Mimi's down the road. We're you not to head. Mimi yet. Well, geez, he's not a player, he just crushed <laughs> a lot. Okay. So he starts seeing this woman, Lisa, and Jody is pissed. She slashes Travis's tires. Oh my like, God. twice. That's expensive. Yeah, he drove a BMW, too. You think those tires are cheap? You know how he paid for that BMW? It's because he was at the executive level.
1: (laughs) 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 See, even your watch is like, stop
0: it. (laughs) Sometimes Jody would like, what stop it she figured out where lisa lived i guess and she'd like run up and bang on her doors and windows just to scare her and then run off okay
1: what's jody's deal what does she do for a living is she still in the mlm yes
0: Uh uh-huh yeah so she prior to joining prepaid legal services Mm -hmm. she did like restaurant work she was a server and stuff like that but and she did like photography work on the side that was her dream she wanted to become a photographer Mm -hmm. but yeah at this point i think she still worked for ppl okay so she was her own boss so she could
1: hashtag run up to people's windows Mm -hmm. and bang on them at any hour of the day yeah travis
0: couldn't prove that jody was the one who'd slashed his tires well but but i mean come on yeah it was it was pretty clear Finally, in April of 2008, at this point, Jody had lived in Mesa for about eight months and, like, had made Travis's life just, like, a living hell. Yeah. She finally moved back to California. And this time she moved to Northern California. She moved to Wairica, which is where her grandparents live. She moved in with her grandparents. And Travis was like, thank God. This is it. Mm -hmm. I am getting my life back. It's done. She's gone. Yeah. However, it's not that easy to just cut off relationships like this. Right. And so un, unbeknownst to his friends, Travis was still communicating with Jody regularly. They mm-hmm. would have phone sex. Occasionally they'd meet up and have actual sex, and he just like it wasn't something he was disclosing to his friends. It wasn't anything that they actually learned about until after his death.: I'm sure he felt a lot of shame and I'm, yeah, yeah. yeah. Travis's brother, Stephen, described his relationship with Jodi as like she was his kryptonite. He didn't Mm -hmm. like she was his weakness. It was like this relationship unlike anything he'd ever experienced. and He just didn't know how to end it. At some point along this whole like eight month period where all this had been going on. Travis's friends had actually told him that they were genuinely concerned about Jody's behavior, that it was escalating. It was very scary to them. And they told him, Travis, I'm afraid we're going to find you chopped up in her freezer.
1: Oh. Mm-hmm.
0: So now... We're back to June 9th. The horrible discovery of Travis's body has been made. Police have located the evidence of the crime scene. And Jody's name has been thrown out as a suspect from, like, minute one. Right. And just as detectives were about to reach out to her for an interview, she beat them to it. Like, less than 24 hours after Travis's body was discovered... She called the detectives to inquire about the case. She was like, hey, you know, I'm Travis's super good friend. I heard what happened. You know, do you have any updates? Do you need any help? What can I do? How did she hear what happened? So I think it had made. i like, oh, had made the news. Made okay. the news okay. by okay. this point. Yes. And it had spread through, like, the PPL network and all of that. Right. And she knew because she had murdered him. So. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. That was the, the big thing. <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. <laughs> Everybody, Brandy just put her finger on her nose
0: and pointed at me. <laughs> so she gets on the phone with, like, the lead detective on this case. His name's Esteban Flores. and I've always loved the name Esteban. Yeah, I think it's a great name. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, I talked to him um, the other day on the phone. I was like on this road trip. I was going to Utah to see my new boyfriend. Oh, yeah. I've, I've totally moved on. I'm, I'm yeah, totally I'm casual. Yeah, I've dated this guy, Ryan Burns. Like, he's like the, my new boyfriend. And I went to Utah. And I was totally in Utah seeing my new boyfriend, Ryan Burns. He works for PPL. And, like, he might not be at the executive level. Yeah, but he's totally going to be. He's going places. Yeah. <laughs> And so during this, like, phone conversation, Detective Flores is like, interesting that you should call me, Mm -hmm. Jodius. (laughs) That's the nickname that he Uh, made for her. And uh, and she's like, oh, why is that? And he's like, well, your name has come up Mm -hmm. a lot. Yeah, because you're a big, creepy weirdo. In this investigation, you know, people have said that you're a stalker. People have said, you know, you your roots oh, are bad. <laughs> yeah, they said your roots were brassy <laughs> as fuck. And she was like, "Oh my gosh, that's totally weird because my hair's brunette now." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because she just dyed it. Sometimes you just need a change. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And uh, and Jody's like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe they would say that to me. That's super weird." No, I'm. I haven't seen. I haven't seen Travis since I moved to Wyrika in April. Wyrika? Yeah, that's where she moved. Oh, right. Sorry. (laughs) It sounded made up. It's a real place in northern California where her grandparents live. (laughs) It's all coming back, all coming back to me now.
1: Although Wyrika does sound like a plays in a Dr. Seuss book, right? Absolutely. All right, thank you. Absolutely. We can move on now.
0: Yeah. She was like, "Uh, no, I haven't seen him since April. That's super weird that people are saying my name. Like, Travis and I are just friends. We did date, but Mm -hmm. we haven't been together for, like, more than a year. And then we were totally just friends. And I'm, like, super cool with us just being friends. And, like, I'm dating a new guy. I haven't jumped through his dog door in months. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And so she's like, "You know what? What can I do to help? I'm do you want my fingerprints? You want my DNA? I'll give it all to you." And well, they're like, "Sure. That'd be great." Yeah. And so she said, "You know what? I'm going to be in Mesa for Travis's funeral. When I'm mm. there, I'll stop by. I'll stop by police headquarters and give you some samples." Did she scratch her head like that? She did. <laughs> and so on June seventeenth, two thousand eight, Jody did just that. She voluntarily went to the Mesa police headquarters and she was fingerprinted and she gave a DNA sample. Wow. And was very, you know, open and talked to them and was like, Yeah, no, you know, Travis is a great friend of mine. I'm super sad. Super sad that he's gone. I do believe, you know, with my faith that I'll see him again and, Mm -hmm. you know, that's going to be wonderful. But, yeah, that's it. And I wasn't there. Did she think she'd committed the perfect murder? Is that why she went and Mm -hmm. volunteered all this? (laughs) You know, it's a real mystery. Okay. (laughs) So they were like, okay, Great. Thanks for coming in. And so they sent off those those DNA samples because they had they had a sample to compare it to. They had hair they found at the at the scene Mm -hmm. in the bathroom. They also had that bloody handprint. At this point, what they knew is that bloody handprint was a mix of Travis's blood and somebody else's blood. Well, shit. Uh And so they're like, great. Let's send that off for testing. In the meantime, that tech department had been working on those deleted images. And finally, they'd repaired the files enough. You know, I don't know how it works. Mm -hmm. But they'd gotten in there and they'd recovered the pictures. I think
1: John M. Butler wrote a book about
0: that. I think that's my favorite textbook writer. (laughs) (laughs) Love his work. Uh Uh-huh. And what they'd found in those deleted files was shocking. There were pictures time stamped from June 4th. There was a series of pictures that were taken around one o'clock in the afternoon. And those pictures were naked pictures of Jody Arias and Travis Alexander. Mm-hmm. It was clear that they had recently had sex, and there were some very graphic pictures. Yeah. Then there was a series of pictures that were time-stamped around 5 p.m., and those pictures were of Travis Alexander in the shower. They were, like, posed pictures of him taking a shower. Mm-hmm. There was, like, you know, a couple, like, one of his back with him looking over his shoulder and then one of him directly looking at the camera. And then there were, like, three pictures that appeared to be accidentally taken. And those pictures showed what looked to be, like, a motion shot of, like, the camera falling. Mm-hmm. And then the following shot after that appeared to be a figure laying on the floor, Ugh. bleeding profusely. And then the last picture was like an accidental shot of Travis Alexander's dead body in the bottom of his shower. Mm. So they now had well, time stamped yeah. pictures yeah. of Jody Arias at the scene on the day that Travis Alexander was murdered and they had like an action sequence shot of him being murdered. Yeah. Let me share with you a paragraph from this article from Mm -hmm. ABC news. I'm not being a dick. I just think that this is overly explanatory based on the photos the screen door <laughs> Jody was lying about not seeing Travis <laughs> since April of 2008 <laughs> Hold on hold on This also seemed to prove that Jody was the last person to see Travis before his death Do they think we are
1: dumber than rocks <laughs> It's incredible.
0: Mm-hmm. So armed with this information, they actually travel to Wairika, mm-hmm. and they sit down with Jody Arias, and they're like, okay. At some point in here, too, DNA evidence comes back, and I'm unsure if that happens before this interrogation or after this interrogation. All right. But here's what you need to know. The long, dark hair's. DNA match to Jodi Arias. Shut up. The second person's <laughs> blood in that handprint, mm-hmm. Jodi Arias. Okay. So, so now they're what they're thinking here
1: <laughs> is that she was there. She uh-huh. w- was lying about not seeing oh, right, him. Right. And she, in fact, had seen him. Yes. And was
0: there at the scene. Wow. Uh-huh. Wow. Mm-hmm. wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what that evidence Suggests. seems to indicate. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-mm. Not Mm-mm. jumping to any conclusions no, here. certainly not. Certainly not. And so Detective Flores travels to Wairica and they bring Jody Arias into the police department and they sit her down in an interrogation room and they're like, okay. Did they really rub their hands together? I, I think he did. All right. Yeah. And he was like, tell me about the last time you saw Travis Alexander. And she was like, April 2008. It was the last time I was in Mesa. Mm-hmm. And so then he pulled out the very suggestive pictures of Jody Arias that were found on the camera that were time stamped June 4th, one o'clock in the afternoon. And he laid mm-hmm. them out on the table. And he's like, explain these to me. Yeah. And she was like, I don't know what those are. What? Nah. <laughs> And he's like, well, these appear to be naked pictures of you. And you'll notice here on the timestamp that they were taken at approximately one o'clock in the afternoon on June 4th. Uh-huh. And she's looking at him. She's like, that mm, well, does look like me? <laughs> 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 and he said, no matter what evidence he presented to her, she would just say, last time I saw him was April 2008. That is... You know, there's committing and then there's committing. That's right. That's amazing. And so they placed her like on a temporary hold that night after this interrogation. And she spent the night in jail. At this point in the investigation, they also learned that like towards the end of May. So Travis was murdered at the beginning of June. Towards the end of May, Jody had reported that her home that she lived in with her grandparents had been robbed while she was the only one there. Mm-hmm. And like four things were stolen like a radio and something else well one of the items was a 25 caliber handgun oh which has never been recovered well cuz it was stolen mhm and do you know what type of shell casing was found at the scene where Travis Alexander was shot 55 caliber no 25 <laughs> caliber <laughs> yeah and um shocking like Jody was the only one who noticed the robbery like her grandparents were away nobody else could say that you know there was well, mm-hmm. old folks you know they let mm-hmm. some stuff slip mm-hmm. farts memories whatever <laughs> so okay so they put her on this temporary hold she spends the night in jail and the next night she's like okay I'm ready to talk what I'm ready and they're like okay what's up and she said, I've been lying to you. No shit. hmm hmm I was at Travis's house on June 4th. hmm hmm I got there about 3 o'clock in the morning. We slept. We had sex. Um, we took some pictures. And then we took a shower <laughs> Hmm. And while he was in the shower, I heard something, and I turned, and there were two masked intruders
1: mm.
0: standing there in Travis's bathroom, and they killed him. Wow. And they—one of them was a man— one of them was a woman, and they told me to get out of there. They said, leave or we'll kill your family. Hmm. And so I di- that's what I did. I left, and I've never told anyone that story.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does seem like a fresh one. mm
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> um. <laughs> Huh. hmm So... I think that Detective Flores needed like this to like process a little bit. So at some point he like left the interrogation room and Jody did some really weird fucking shit while he was gone. What'd she do? She got up and she did a handstand. Oh, yes. (laughs) Okay. She did a handstand. Um, She sang a Dido song. (laughs) Which one? I can't remember it. I didn't write it down. Is it the one that <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> Yeah, probably. I do what I want. <laughs> yes. A cute this. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. She, she talked to herself. She said, "Gosh, Jody, you could at least put yourself together a little bit before you came in here." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cuz that's the worst part. Uh-huh. She
1: dug through the trash searching for
0: you know, just whatever might be in
1: there. <laughs>
0: Picnic basket? Uh, I mean, only bears go mm-hmm.
1: through the trash, right? Yeah.
0: All right. And so then at some point, you know, Detective Flores came <laughs> back in. He's like, okay, tell me the story one more time. And she's, you know, they were ninjas. And they... Wait, when did they become ninjas? Um, They didn't become ninjas until later. <laughs> uh, <laughs> She she did a 48-hours interview following her arrest, and that's when they became That's when ninjas. they became ninjas.
1: Cool. Yeah.
0: Okay. That's the first time the public learned about this version of events. You mean the truth? Oh, excuse me. Asshole. <laughs> so, yeah. So he's like, okay. This story is amazing. Uh-huh. hmm So Detective Flores is like, okay. So... Two masked intruders dressed in all black came in. They attacked Travis. They brutally murdered him. And you let were you go uninjured. And she's like, Yes, they told me to leave. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Why didn't they kill you? And she said, They weren't there for me. And he's like, Okay. And so you left there mm-hmm. knowing that your friend was gravely injured and you just did nothing. Did nothing? She was like, "Yeah, I was really scared. They said they'd kill my family." And he's like, "That's the story you want to stick with?" She was like, "That is the truth." She said, "No, I'm going to add some stuff." <laughs> I need a little bit more time to come up with this on the fly here. Have you ever improved your way through anything, sir? <laughs> and so then at that point, Detective Flores told Jody that they did not believe her story and that oh. she was going to be placed under arrest for, under the suspicion of murder of Travis Alexander. And she I said... I am
1: still stuck on... <laughs> the i mean i got a hat tip to her you're confronted with a naked photo of yourself you're like no
0: man. you're like i no. No, no it does it does look kind of like me
1: she is hot i'll grant <laughs> yeah, you that will, <laughs> I will
0: grant you that her ass will not quit i can see why you would be confused sir um, so at this point, Jody is made aware that they do not believe her story mm-hmm. and that she will be being placed under arrest on the suspicion of murder. And her response is. OK. Can I at least put some makeup on before they book me?
1: I mean, relatable.
0: I agree. <laughs> Point. Jetty was taken into custody. She was extradited to. Do people make a
1: big deal about the makeup coming? Oh, I know they do. Absolutely, they do. They yeah.
0: do. I, I can't say I might not say the same thing. <laughs> just a touch of eyeliner, maybe a little bit of blush. can You do anything to help a girl out? Yeah. Like I know my picture is going to be out there <laughs> because I have just said some crazy shit, <laughs> and I did, I don't know if you guys saw, but I did a fucking handstand in here. <laughs> <laughs> and so she was placed under arrest. She was then extradited to Arizona, and on June 9th, 2008, which was Jody's 29th birthday. Wait, did she get to put on makeup?: No. <laughs> she did so like one of those like, you know, pinch the cheeks, all the time and like, ruffle their hair a bit. Yeah, I mean, do mm-hmm. what you can. All That's right. right, So on July 9th, 2008, Jody's 29th birthday. A grand jury handed down an indictment for first degree murder. On September 11th, 2008, she entered a plea of not guilty. And on Halloween, the state announced that they would seek the death penalty. Spooky. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're going to leave it for this week. Oh, that was so good. (laughs) Uh. Next week, we will cover the trial and the aftermath. God, she sucks. Oh, my gosh. May I look up pictures of Travis? Absolutely. I will warn you. It's not going to come up in a Google search, but his crime scene photos are very easily accessible on the... uh, Oh, he was so cute. So handsome. Gosh, she
1: looks miserable in this photo with her that I'm pulling up. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, he got like in this relationship and didn't know how to handle these this really intense relationship, unlike anything that he'd experienced. Yeah. Before. And also, Jody was super manipulative. Well,
1: yeah, no, she's an abuser. I Absolutely. mean, he. He's a victim of terrible abuse. You're going
0: to love her defense.
1: Oh, great. That she was abused? Yep. Cool.
0: <laughs> More on that next week. You know, I got to say, she looks better as a brunette. She looks way better as a brunette. You see what I mean about the
1: blonde? Yeah. Um, it's here's my problem. I mean, obviously, you're obsessed with the roots. My thing is, like, her skin color is the exact. Yeah. S- same it's color as her monotone, hair. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yep. Need some contrast mm-hmm. in there. Absolutely. Break that shit up. Yeah. She looks much better as a brunette. Whew. Well, I cannot wait for next week. Yeah. The trial is nuts. Let me give you a little teaser. Give me a little taste. Jody takes the stand in uh, her own defense. Mm-hmm. And spends 18 days there. Shut up. huh So the
1: cross-examination was just, like, forever, huh? Uh-huh. Like, oh, okay, you're going to get up here? All right, All right, here we
0: go. Here we go. Oh, delicious. Also, here's a little fun tidbit to look forward to. Okay. Arizona is one of, like, only two days. Two days? Oh, one of two states. Where the jury is allowed to ask questions of the defendant. <gasps> oh my God, yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is Florida the other one? I'm not sure what the other one is. What's the other day? Sunday? Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> oh, that was okay. amazing. Jody Arias, part one, check. <sighs> I
1: this
0: loved was- it. Oh, it was so fun. I was so anxious about doing this. But I, okay, you know, I've told you I'm so anxious about doing this case. It's too big, it's too much. I was too into it when it happened. Let me tell you, researching it, this is going to sound terrible. I fucking loved it. And it was like I was hanging out with my old friends. That is terrible. I know. Woof. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you're a fucked up person, Brandon, right. but I'm glad to have you as a friend. <laughs> Should we take some questions from the Discord? Yes, we should. Oh my! On oh this ridiculously long episode. <laughs> oh my lord! Yeah, it's so funny. Like, oh, sorry, people, we we have to do a two-parter, and we're, <laughs> and we're already at like three, three hours. hours? <laughs> oh. Tell people how to get in the Discord. Oh shit! Damn it! Fuck. We didn't even have an ad. We could have plugged no, the Patreon. we have a Patreon. You should
0: join it if you want to and you want to support the show. If you don't, that's cool. But if you do want to do it, it's you- not
1: cool. We will <laughs> send ninjas after you. <laughs>
0: that's terrible
1: that's not good and, and also not ever happening <laughs> not to anybody. Accurate. so <laughs> don't worry about it uh no if you want more of us and i mean hey we're back from break so like calm down mm-hmm. but we also have monthly bonus episodes on the patreon at the five dollar level or higher join now and binge like 26 of those puppies. Um, 31. (laughs) Binge 31 of those puppies. (laughs) Um, You can go higher if you want to. You can get ad-free episodes if you enjoyed
0: this. Yeah, yeah. Did you like this taste Mm -hmm. of what the ad-free lifestyle could be? Welcome to Teaser's Gentleman's Club. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Balls Out, where we just give you a little taste of the balls. That's their slogan no one will ever go
1: i like how you distance yourself that's their slogan <laughs> not, this is not Listen, you are the founder and ceo of balls out brandy you don't get to say oh that's their what i mean um... i didn't come up with it or anything <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay so yeah now uh we're taking questions from our discord where people chitty chat the day away and, and to get in the discord you just have to join our patreon at the five dollar level or higher there you go High Priestess of Costco wants to know, have you ever been to a bar mitzvah? I have not, and I think I would love it. Why do you think you would love it? It looks like an amazing fun party. And, like, there's dancing, mm-hmm. probably delicious food. Uh, yeah. Lots of 13-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> I realized As I got into that, <laughs> I'm a 35-year-old woman saying I want to go to a bar.
1: Don't worry. It's not creepy at all. (laughs) Everyone, she's just a grown woman who loves to hang out around teenage boys. (laughs) No, I haven't been to one either. And weirdly, I'm
0: not excited to go. (laughs) Uh, Sharts in my eyes. (laughs) How much did you miss us? a lot so much we had a lot of fun with our time off yes it was great to have a break and it's i think it's super important to keep the show good and the content fresh but yeah we we missed you guys a lot yeah i was so excited for you to come over today
1: um yeah and we had a bunch of really good italian food it's funny for the bonus episode we talked about like how we spent our time off and yeah i don't feel like rehashing it no yeah if
0: you want to hear it you know Listen to the bonus episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> MCA 93 wants to know, did Brandy ever get the Glossier perfume? Have been binging all old episodes. <laughs> I did. David got it for me for Mother's Day, um, just as I gave him the subliminal message to do. <laughs> and I actually just finished it up and need to get it again because I loved it so much. Man. Such a good smell. Okay. Tweety Titty Tattoo wants to know what's something you insist on getting the name brand of or the highest quality of versus going with mm. the cheaper version. All right. I I think we've talked about my answer to this on the podcast before, but it is toilet paper. Yeah, I you're a, total a toilet paper snob. Mm-hmm. I was forced to use <laughs> like the store brand during the toilet paper shortage of 2020, uh-huh. and it was then <laughs> – and her that butthole I learned is still sore. <laughs> that I am
1: a toilet paper snob. Okay, I'm snobby about two things. Uh-huh. Well, probably more than two. Yeah. But <laughs> two come to mind. You cannot do off-brand Q-tips.
0: Oh, no. They just, yeah, they're they terrible. They're terrible. Okay. Yeah, you ever had just the cotton slide right off the end? I sure have. Yeah. <laughs> Infuriating. So that can't do. Yeah. Also,
1: off-brand Pop-Tarts. Oh, yeah. They are just not very good. Yeah. I yeah. agree. Mm-hmm. Toastums? No, thank you. Yeah, I, I got some from Aldi and I was like, what the What the hell? fuck is this?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Winston the corgi says, so my husband made dinner last night and he made barbecue chicken with cheese. Asking for a friend, is there room for him next to North? <laughs> <laughs> barbecue. Doesn't belong with cheese Chicken doesn't belong with cheese That's a That's a No chicken and cheese Double baddie to me
1: Double baddie. Yeah
0: What chicken and cheese do you like? You like chicken with cheese on
1: it? Yeah I would totally eat that <laughs> The face you're Like a chicken sandwich with cheese oh, on it? Oh no Grilled Mm-mm. chicken No get the fuck out of here Or like grilled chicken on a
0: salad that has cheese on it? Absolutely I would do that Like shredded cheese on the salad And then chicken on top The chicken and the cheese aren't necessarily, like, touching, and the cheese isn't, like, melted atop the chicken. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) These are your demands. That's right. (laughs) LGTC pun wants to know, are there any fashion trends that make you cringe when you see them out in the world? What would you not be caught dead wearing? I have one right
0: now, and they're so popular. What is it? Mom jeans. Oh, yeah, you hate mom jeans. I don't. I can't do it. And even when I see them, I'm like, I don't know. Is that the look? I think people look cute in mom jeans. I'm just, I'm not here for the mom jeans. Okay.
1: I don't think there's anything that I could say I wouldn't be caught dead wearing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You're like... You and I are very opposites in this regard. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think I'd try anything. Full latex suit. Oh, God, that seems so... No, I pee too much. (laughs) That sounds terrible. Yeah,
0: and the zipper's in the back. Of
1: course it is. Yeah.
0: Of course it is. It's got one of those really long tabbies on it, like a scuba suit, so you can Mm -hmm. do it yourself. But, Uh I mean, once you take it down once, you got to baby powder up, or you're not getting that thing back up. Okay, I... Yeah, I mean,
1: something like that that's, like, <sighs> impractical and terrible. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. But if we're talking like, about trendy I think that's, like, like
0: trendy. Yeah. yeah.
1: I don't know. Didn't Kim
0: Kardashian wear, like, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, all right. I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you sure do. Congratulations. <laughs> Clark Adventures 94 once now, uh I need book recommendations. And I feel like Kristen and I would have similar tastes. You got any book recommendations? What have you been reading lately? Shut up. <laughs> A book, new book by your favorite author?
1: Okay, everybody. (laughs) Hold on. First, I have to figure out which author I thought it was because I want to give her... um... Yes. Okay. Here's the deal, everyone. I am a big fan of the author Taylor Jenkins Reid. Mm -hmm. Um, Read a bunch of her books. Really like them. I always get super into them. Yeah. And... I don't know. I read things on Kindle. I always have a bunch of holds going at the library. All of a sudden, new book by Taylor Jenkins Reid pops onto my Kindle. I'm so excited Mm -hmm. start reading it. Um, I got really into it at first. And then, you know, it was just like, God, what is something going to happen in this book? Like. (laughs) Gosh, but I just kept going because she's such a good writer and I've liked everything else I've read by her. But I was just like, man, this is really a slog, but all right, whatever. (laughs) So I read the whole damn thing. And then i hit home on my kindle and i realized that it wasn't a book by taylor jenkins reed it was just somebody else and i'd been confused the whole time and i'm not one of these people who's like i started a book so i'm going to punish myself and finish it no if it sucks i'd stop but uh so anyway you, thought, you owed it to your favorite author to... well i i thought i she has never disappointed yeah. me so this is this started strong it's getting a little slow she's obviously going to pick it up again and then i'm like at 86 (laughs) percent like what the fuck taylor well uh, taylor didn't do it to me (laughs) (laughs) oh so i i would recommend you read daisy jones and the six which i really liked also the seven husbands of evelyn hugo really liked that too i just finished the group by something tate let me let me look that one up i think it was mike taint (laughs) (laughs) stop it (laughs) You're terrible. Christy Tate. Not Mike Tate. (laughs) Yeah, group. Group is really good, too. Okay, anyway. Oh, what's that other one I like? I think you should talk to somebody. By Lori Gottlieb? Question mark. Lori Gottlieb, that's the one. Mm. You look really bored with all this talk of books.
0: I I like books. <laughs> <laughs> I once read a book. <laughs> I just finished The Chain by somebody. <laughs> <laughs> no, not Fleetwood Mac, the book. <laughs> the book. Adrian McKinty. All right. It was a delightful read. A, th- a bit of a thriller. Oh, it says it's an... an
1: Tense, dark psychological thriller. That's correct. I would that describes it
0: well. What? What? I was going to say something about it, but I thought maybe it was kind of rude. Say it to me, and we'll cut it.
1: I hate that in a thriller. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It'd be funny if we had Patty bleep that. <laughs>
0: Okay. Patty, do your thing, honey. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Philosophically correct, wants to know, what are your perfect dates? I'd say April 25th because it's not too hot and not too cold and all you need is a light jacket. (laughs) (laughs) You don't even acknowledge me? No. No. (laughs) That is your punishment. (laughs) Annie O wants to know are you getting excited for the Winter Olympics? No she's not oh, I am so excited and it feels like we just had the Summer Olympics since they were so delayed it's like we've barely had to wait for more Olympics
1: <laughs> What sport are you most looking forward to? Oh my to?
0: gosh figure skating yes oh, yeah. please mm-hmm. uh, ski jumping snowboarding Sean White's gonna compete in his fifth Olympics. Fifth
1: Olympics. I do think that's really cool when people are like make a career out of being yeah. in the Olympics. Yeah.
0: yeah, 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 yeah. It's pretty cool. It's a fucking amazing. <laughs> so yeah, I'm feeling okay about the Olympics.
1: <laughs> Ooh. Asteroid B612 wants to know, I've recently decided to start creative work on the side of my full-time job. Any advice for starting passion projects and not getting discouraged? Obviously, it's worked well for you, too. (laughs) 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 I mean, it has. We started this thing four years ago. Four
0: years ago. Can you believe it? Four more
1: years. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Just campaigning. Hmm.
0: Felt very Trumpy. Did it? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Okay. Well. <laughs> um gosh, I What's your what what advice do we have to bestow? I mean, it would depend on what the
1: creative endeavor is. Yeah, I
0: think if it is a passion product as long as you keep your passion in mind, like it it will be rewarding to you. Like this was Something that we kind of just started on a whim, but because mm-hmm. it allowed this, like, amazing time for us to just, like, hang out and be friends. Like, yeah. it it has, like, that was enough. Exactly. Yes.
1: I think it's the not worrying so much about the outcome, yeah. which is ridiculous coming from me because I'm someone who's always worried about the Absolutely. outcome. Absolutely, yes. But, like, we got ful- fulfillment from this from day one. Yes, and that's huge. And everything yeah. else has just been wonderful. Yeah. I think if it's something that sucks more, like writing a book, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> work on it a little bit every day. Yeah. So you keep your head in it. And yeah. I feel like I'd recommend that for just about anything. Yeah. Work on it a little bit every yeah. day. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Mm. Are you dying of heat? It's right now? so funny. I think we got to wrap this up because yes. it's way too hot in this room. Oh fudge! Whew. Okay, whoa, Nellie. We've been talking for a while here. Yes, we have. This has been a marathon of an episode. Um, Supreme Court inductions. or oh, shit! Thing that we do oh, on shoot. this podcast. Yes,
1: darn right. Hey, I've got mine pulled up Ritty-tutty. right here. Ready, tooty, <laughs> <laughs> And we are reading your names and your favorite cookies. Mm-hmm.
0: And I am getting to the place on the document mm-hmm. where we read the names. <laughs> She's not stalling not at all. at all. Okay, here we go. Caitlin Geyer. Pumpkin Snickerdoodles. Danny Perez. Crumble
1: Pink Frosted Sugar Cookies. cookies. Could good, I've had that one. Laura Lake. Snickerdoodle. Tanya Payne Chocolate chip cookie dough straight out of the tube My mm. dad used to
0: eat it out of the tube I remember that when I was kidding. kid was
1: like, like would he lay back on the couch? Because yeah, that's how I picture somebody doing it yeah.
0: Squeeze it out and then you twist the thingy back And you put uh-huh. it back in the That's yeah. the good life right there Yeah, absolutely Miriam Macadamia nuts Lori Oatmeal chocolate chip Kim Wiseman Peanut butter Elena
1: Branch my Nana's Biscuits. Ashley Harvey. Not into cookies. My favorite sweets are my homemade gingerbread cupcakes. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of
0: mm-hmm. breaking the rules uh-huh. there. hmm Sara Ward.
1: Confetti Sweets Coconut
0: Oatmeal Cookies. Hmm. That's probably good.
1: That sounds like a lot. It does sound like a lot. I'll love it, though. Asia. Pepperidge Farm Verona Cookies.
2: Hmm.
1: Sydney
0: Sugar Cookie from Crumble Bonnie Rose Crump Lemon Meringue Cookies Oh god, that sounds amazing I know Kathy Rodriguez Samoas And Charlotte Mashalin Triple Chocolate Chocolate Chip Cookie with Macadamia Nuts Oh shit, that's a lot Wendy Oh She's telling
1: me how to say pecan. Mm, no, she, she says, wants you to say pecan. pecan pralines. All right. You know what's funny is pecan. I feel like is the more what more sophisticated people say, but pecan sounds trashier, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Share calderia
1: Chocolate macaroon. Mm. Mm. Macaroon, not macaron. <laughs>
0: yeah, a macaroon. It's a coconut cookie, and then it's got oh, chocolate on the bottom. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like a little, mm-hmm. like a mm-hmm. little dip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Danny Jaramillo. Underbaked sugar cookies. Kelsey Fuertes.
1: Classic chocolate chip. Mr. Sue. Chocolate chip.
0: Welcome to the Supreme Court. Episode 200. Holy shit. Thank you to everyone who's been along for the ride. Yeah. Yeah, This is crazy. (sighs) Looks like we We
1: made it. And you guys asked for that. That's right that was a a, a lot of people requested, requested. <laughs> <laughs> can't seem to find it right
0: now but it, it's very real Thank you for all of your support. If you're looking for other ways to support us, please find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, Patreon, of course. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And then head on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and review. And then be sure to join us next week. When we'll be experts on two whole new topics. Podcast, podcast adjourned!
1: Well, actually, not a new topic for I you. Not for Just, me. I'm yeah. in the same topic happy? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Ready to fresh Judy and pretty. That's right. And now for a note about our process. I read a bunch of stuff, then we're good. Tr- Whoa. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Then regurgitate it all back up in my very limited vocabulary. And I copy and paste from the best sources on the web, and sometimes Wikipedia. So we owe a huge thank you to the real experts. I got my info from the 30 for 30 episode Fantastic Lies,
1: as well as portions of the book The Price of Silence by William D. Cohen, plus Wikipedia.
0: I got my info from Snapped, ABC News, Murderpedia, Wikipedia, articles for AZ Central, and the Huffington Post. For a full list of our sources visit lgtcpodcast.com any errors are of course ours but please don't take our word for it go read their stuff